Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>- Super Pod Hero Cast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Episode 116. I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Todd Panic. And, and we, we watched, watched Superman 3. No subtitle. That's right. We don't get a dumb subtitle to the next one. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that one. But this one, sheer this delight. One was super fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Colin totally nailed it. Sorry, Colin couldn't be here. Yep. Uh, behind the scenes stuff made it that he couldn't join us. Uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he. I think he called it during Superman at the end of Superman Two. We were both kind of dreading having to pull it, and he said, "Like, I think we're really going to enjoy the rewatch of Superman 3. He's hundred percent right. He's you can 100% see where this right. used to be a Lex Luthor brainiac story. Yep. Yep. And they made it. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Roscoe. Oh, oh, um, Webster. Wait, Webster. Yeah, Roscoe Webster. Roscoe Webster. Uh, uh, uh Web. Yes, because Websco is his company. Yep. Websco. Um, and Ro- he, Ross Webster. Sorry, Ross. Ross Webster. Webster. Yeah. You're right. Ross Webster, and he, um, he's obviously the stand-in for uh Lex Luthor. Yep. May do a better job of this era's Lex Luthor than Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah. There's I know a, that's a bold fucking statement, well, and come at me, but well, you get and you got Robert Vaughn, who is always delightful. I think I would always. get nervous if if he was reading the phone book. I'd listen to it, but I'd be scared. I'd be scared he's going to throw it at me, yeah, or something else. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, look, before we get into any of this, of course. We have a very important thing to do, and that is, since we are... Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? Casey, you got the beer this time. 
I did. I the day after we pulled this, I remembered <laughs> I saw a specific not beer, which also plays into the movie. Yeah, um, that's right. Not kryptonite. Not kryptonite. It's not beer. It's cider. Uh, but here in the great city of Syracuse, it has been a long, long tradition that a Irish pub here by the name of Coleman's does green beer Sundays. Yep. And so to monetize on that a little more, they've decided to can it with a local brewery uh, called 1911. Yes. And uh, it is uh, not beer. It's cider, just like it's not kryptonite in this movie. <laughs> it's kryptotar. Kryptotar? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Kryptotar. Yeah. Uh, so we are drinking, no fun name, but it is just 1911's green cider. Yes. So to your earlier reference, if you know, you know, 1911 is literally a, an apple orchard founded in 1911 uh, called Beacon Skiff. Mm-hmm. And uh, long tradition, you know, growing up, Beacon Skiff apples were like that. That was the apples around here. Yeah. Uh, but a few years ago, they started branching out first into cider. Now they do hard cider, uh, hard spirits. They do, I know they do a gin, they do a <clears throat> vodka. I think they do a whiskey. I think they do a bourbon. Um, yes, but it's, I have all of them. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but yeah, the, and, and their cider game is strong. They... In addition to this green cider, they've got a boatloads of, of other ones, different kinds of apples, different flavors, uh, different sweetness levels. Yes. I'm excited that this one's on the lower end. Yes, it's a one, a one. not even lo- the lowest. So, yeah, don't don't really like a super sweet cider. Also, this is a 5.5 alcohol by volume. So, nice, nice Thursday evening uh, cider to have. Oh my God! It's like Nia. It's like electric green. <laughs> it totally is. Have you never had Coleman's green beer? Uh, I actually never have. So they typically and do this it. This is the what, exact a, color. A couple of weeks or a month before St. Patty's Day. Uh, three weeks before St. Patrick's Day because it's green beer. Then it's the Shamrock Run. Right. Then it's St. Patrick's Day. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yep, that's the exact color. It would be if you got it at. And folks, we can't describe this well enough. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna take a picture right here. So we'll we'll throw this up in one of our uh, social medias because it is worth <laughs> it is worth seeing it. Like you think green beer, like oh, it's gonna be like a ambery color green. It, it's yeah. like it's like palm olive green, really. It's like uh, high C. It's like ecto cooler. Yes, yes. <laughs> and hopefully just as delicious. That's right. So great choice. Yeah. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. It's a good, oh. nice, delicious yeah. cider. You know, and one thing we didn't mention, uh, we got this at... Branching Out. Branching yeah. Out Bottle Shop. The finest beer selection you're going to find. Yeah, absolutely. Or cider. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's good. You know, long before I started drinking beer, because I did not come to beer until uh, late in my 20s or early in my 30s, um, I drank mm-hmm. cider. And man, this is a good one. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. same. Oh. Yeah. Great, great choice, and truly the color. I can't the color on this. It's the color. You know what? It's the color of it's, kryptonite. It, it is exactly the color of kryptonite. All the other ones don't make yep. any sense. That's exactly That's right. what this uh, is. Well played, sir. Well played. Thank you. So uh, I, I uh, don't think we have any reshoots, do we? Hang on, going to our. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we do. Excuse me. Okay. All right. So, uh, good, great, great. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't have any reshoots. Oh, wait. Yes, we do. Reshoots. Uh, we do have one, 
back during Supervised, that fun little movie we watched, <laughs> I uh, kind of spent a minute being like, there's never a sunny uh, funeral scene in a movie. And Eric sent me a clip from a movie I hadn't seen, so uh, that's why, because um, it is a boxing movie. <laughs> and that would be Rocky Three. Oh, for for, for Mick. when? Oh, I was going to say oh, sorry. When, name name redacted, but go right ahead. Well, it's got to be it's got to be it Mickey, is. right? It okay. is. It is. I at least know that, but it's just I don't know. I don't want to be spoiling stuff like that. I, listen, if you haven't seen Rocky Three and somehow are like, I'm going to watch it next weekend. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And sorry I'm not. That. I'm never going to watch it. Oh, you, oh, it's unfortunate. I'm, we've been over this. The embargo is still in place. Just because it's a boxing movie? Yes. Oh, not that's... even not even the great Jonathan Majors can get me to watch Creed 3. Oh, I think you're... Boy, I, you know, listeners, if you disagree with Casey's stance here, I think you need to let him know. And Casey... And you can do that by going to www.gofuckyourself.com <laughs> or you can send or us an email at superpodherocast at gmail.com and that is because only cap writes letters tony <laughs> all right i only have i i have one almost cast and then some fun little um behind the scenes stuff okay great so the one almost cast is the uh part of lana lang played mm. by the Delightful Annette O'Toole. Yes, yes. Oh, she's so good. Yep. Was uh, originally set to be Jennifer Jason Lee. Wait, what? Yeah. She... And she ended up turning it down. Do you know why? Uh, I'm Googling her, so I'm trying to see what came out around that time. Nothing's... Oh, well, Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out in 82. This comes out in 83. That is probably why she got cast. The problem was (laughs) she's about 10 years younger than Christopher Reeve. Oh. oh, uh, uh. I mean, she was of age. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. But she was just like, no, this is too much of a... So good for her. Yeah. Good for her to be like, this does not work at all. And also, we wouldn't have had the... Blessing upon us that is Annette O'Toole. That's true. That's true. You know, Jennifer Jason Lee, phenomenal actress. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, what's the... Oh, single white female, of course, is sure. is crazy. But um, she's kind of at least off my radar for a number of years. N- not all the way back to single white female, but pretty close to it. Until she popped up in The Hateful Eight. <laughs> With one of the worst stories to come out of that. Oh, and yes, and clearly not a character that we're intended to like, but like the prosthetic teeth she had, it mm-hmm. just a little bit of a horror show. I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I always get Jennifer Jason Lee and oh, from Ali Sheedy. I always, oh. for some reason in my head, they, they, I, I can. I can see that. They both have wide faces. Yeah, they just kind of give me the same vibe. Not so much, weirdly, Hateful Eight, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Breakfast Club, Ali Sheedy kind of mixed together. But then, like, a couple other things Jennifer Jason Lee did beyond Single White Female was, like, the All-American Girl. And my introduction to Ali Sheedy wasn't the Breakfast Club. It was, of course, Short Circuit. 
<laughs> uh, I was going to say War Games, but okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I Even before War Games, I saw... I mean, I saw War Games because of Ali Feeney. Um, yeah, so then when I saw Breakfast Club, I'm like, wait, what, what happened? Yeah, Why yeah, yeah. Oh, that's... Hmm. Interesting. The All-American okay. Girl. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good on her. Um, let's talk about... Um, <laughs> So what do you want me to tell you first about Christopher Reeve almost not coming back for this one or <laughs> or the uh, bullshit that Richard Pryor had to go through? Oh, I'm well, I'm uh let's start with let's start with the newcomer here. So Richard Pryor who is, you know, arguably at the height of his fame, right? And he I literally got this part because he made a joke on Johnny Carson that he wanted to be in a Superman movie. I, and I feel like it's just it's almost on. I I almost feel like, and this is not a. I'm not talking down to our younger listeners, but I think it's hard to understand how big of a star Richard Pryor was at a time in which there were few, so few channels by which someone can get to an audience. Right? You could right. see him in a comedy club. You could buy his literal albums, literal comedy albums. Um, and he'd done a he'd done a few movies, um, but like he's the biggest comic in the world at this point. Had see no evil, hear no evil happened yet? Uh, that had no. That was let's see. So see, um, was it see no evil, hear no evil? That, yeah, that's no eighty nine. That's years later. Holy and, shit! And frankly, that's you know that's that's where he's kind of on his way out. The only thing good in that later time of his career, I think he's excellent in Harlem Nights. As mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy's kind of mentor, yeah, but, yeah. Harlan Knights is a kind of a forgotten, oh, really good movie. And so, oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But um, so leading up to so this movie comes out in eighty three. Leading up to sure this, you've, does you've got? I'm going backwards chronologically. In eighty two, you had uh, a movie he did called Some Kind of Hero, which is mm. um, him being a, a Vietnam vet who's having trouble readjusting. Um, it's a comedy drama. I would put it on par with um, Quick Change, Bill Murray and Gina oh, Davis. Yeah. Right? Oof. Um, uh, also does The Toy, in which he co- co-stars the Jackie Gleason. That's the year before 82. 80, Jesus Christ. That's 81 a problematic is, movie. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, oh, you... You can't own black people. Is that that's that's we have a problem with that? And the um, homophobia in that movie. I mean, yeah. this is take your pick on what you want to be offended by. Agree, agree. Uh, Eighty one is Bustin' Loose. Nineteen eighty mm. is Holy Moses. In God We Trust. And of oh course, my God. In my opinion, his the crown jewel of his work as an actor, Stir Crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hands down. And then before that, you've got, he's in the Muppet movie, he's in The Wiz, he's in California Suite, Blue Collar, Grease he's Lightning. He's in the Muppet movie? He's in the Muppet movie. He's the, balloon, the, he's the balloon vendor. At the f- county fair. Yes. Right, yeah. be, be, right, uh, right, right. Because again, this is that era. He is, he is the, like, the biggest or, you know, in contention with Carlin and some other, but he's the handful of biggest comedians in the world. But also, like, I, I forgot that Richard Pryor was in the Muppet movie because everybody's in the Muppet movie. Everybody's in the That's true. That's true. That's totally true. Muppets used to have this thing where there's just like random fucking cameos. You're like, him? But uh, on the TV show as well, though, right? Like that wasn't restricted to just the movies. Um, one of my favorite Muppet show episodes was um, 
John Cleese's. Did you ever see that one? I don't think I have. I'm going to have to find that. It's on Disney Plus, so you can watch it there. Okay. They're all on there now. And it, the, the running joke of the whole episode is he does nothing the whole episode. He keeps trying to put himself in sketches. And terms of, <laughs> I know, we're okay. Um, just on a, just as a little aside, and s- since I'm editing this, this will probably stay in, um, even though you have Final Cut. Uh, so just on that topic, here are, the, here are the cameo guest stars in the Muppet movie. Ready? Oh, go for it. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Dom DeLuise. Yep. James Coburn, Madeline okay. Kahn. Oh, oh, you are. Yeah, you react. Okay, so, so Don DeLuise is the is the guy is the agent in the swamp. Yep, Bernie. Yep. James, James Coburn is is he the the used car salesman? No, he is El Slizo Cafe owner. Oh, that's right. Yes, where they pick up Fozzie. Okay. Yep, and we we get a couple of other cameos at El Slizo. You have we get Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn, yep. Uh, also, Telly Savalas. Of course. That's, you're right. That's the perfect place to put Telly Savalas. Uh, then we get Carol Kane. I fucking love Carol oh, Kane. Oh, fuck yeah. I miss her. I know. Um, Paul Williams. Oh, sure, because he wrote the Muppet movie. The Muppet, he, wrote right, the, yep. he wrote the music. Yeah, he's he the, the, and he's the pianist at the El Slizo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you have Milton Berle, who is your previously mentioned used car salesman. Yes, right. And with one of the most, like, I can't believe they got away with it in a kid's movie. Do you remember what Sweetum says? No. He's like, uh, yeah, get Jack. And he's like, oh, hi, Jack. And Sweetum goes, Jack, not name. Jack, job. Excuse me? Your job is to Jack? Uh, he is the, the the living Jack. Oh, okay. Sure, but still. Oh, I never. Oh, I you never. You can take it another oh. way and go, the fuck, Jim? <laughs> You know, the Muppets were, I feel like the Muppets were doing the Pixar thing before Pixar. No, but like, you know, how the two levels that kids love, but adults also mm-hmm. have something It's not to a enjoy. joke I got as a kid, but then I watched it as an adult. I was like, whoa. <laughs> that's, that's fair. All right. Who else was in this? Uh, Steve Martin, right? Uh, yes. He's the insolent waiter working at the restaurant where Rolf plays the piano. Yes. Um, Can I help you? <laughs> so is that the sniffing the bottle cap? Mm-hmm. Yes. Would you like to sniff the bottle, bottle cap, cap, sir? Mm, the finest wine of Idaho. Um, <laughs> we also have Elliot Gould. Oh yeah, at the Bogan at the, County uh, Beauty Pageant. At the count, at the, yeah, he's one of the judges. Oh no, he's the MC. He's the MC. Yep. Then we have Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Oh my God! As the judges at the county fair. Yes. We have Bob Hope. He Ooh. is. The ice cream vendor who serves cones to Fozzie at the fair. Oh, right. And then Gonzo and, takes off with the balloons. Yeah. And then Pryor's. Yep. The balloon vendor, uh, Steve Martin. Then we have uh, Mel Brooks. Is the, As the mad scientist. Yep. 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 Um, Cloris Leachman. Oh, my God. Frau Bruca. I am Frau Bruca. Uh, as... Is she like the assistant? She's yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Lou Lord's secretary who's allergic to animals. She sne- <laughs> They come in and she starts sneezing. Um, right. And then finally, and again, hard maybe for younger audiences, listeners to understand how big this was. But Orson Welles is the movie producer. Yes, yeah. and he. I mean, there was a time when he was like the most. He was the Tarantino slash. Um, uh, Christopher, uh, what's his name? Nolan. Uh, Nolan slash Spielberg. You know, think like, of modern movie 
techniques, like filming techniques, mm-hmm. some version of it started with Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay, well, that was a, that was a fun aside. You're right. Hey, Everyone you know was in the what movie. What also uh, Orson Welles is in? Uh, what? The Transformers, the movie. Is he a voice? Oh yes, he. It's his final thing. He died very soon after finishing He's recording not it. Optimus Prime, is he? No, that's no, Peter no, Collins. That's Peter Collins. Uh, yeah. So who? And he is. Oh no, his name just left my brain. Uh, oh, I have his Ultron, and that's Unicron. There it is. Oh, Unicron. He's the planet-eating planet. Oh wait, is that? Oh, is that? Wait, was that in the in the cartoon series? The, so the cartoon series. Then the movie that came out where they oh they kill everybody alert, and <laughs> kill everyone <laughs> and make new make let's be perfectly honest make new toys yeah um, sure uh, Leonard Nimoy is Galvatron with okay. one of the most badass entrances in a movie Starscream is being coronated as the new leader of the Decepticons and he comes in and he's like coronation this is bad comedy and Starscream goes. Uh, Megatron, is that you? And he transforms into a cannon now instead of a little handgun. He goes, here's a hint, and blows him up and oh. kills him. Oh <laughs> like, what the fuck? The, like, movie hey, was so yeah. tra- traumatizing. Because, like, okay, yeah, Optimus Prime died, but he's going to come back. The credits start rolling, and all the kids are like, Optimus Prime is coming back, right? Yeah. <laughs> to the point where they had to bring him back on the TV show. Oh. So many parents wrote in and go, you are ruining my kid's childhood. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh my god. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. So that was it. That was so a, that was about Richard of replacing yeah. characters. Oh wait, I can pivot us back into the episode. Yeah, pivot, Don't you pivot. worry. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeve threatened not to return for the film to protest Richard Donner's firing, mm. and because he hated the script. Now Let's hold on to that fact for the next movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine when you turn over the writing to the actor, right? Like that never works out poorly. Um, now, I had this as a note for later in our discussion, but it's perfectly good place here. So his Superman's hair is brown, not black. Here, I read Superman's that his hair is a wig the entire time. Because did I get this right? He had had an allergic reaction to the black hair dye. And I'm not sure that's hundred percent true, unless I get him a better quote unquote. Well, it's been a while since I've watched Superman four, but I seem to remember it not being so like why. And also, oh, maybe they couldn't dye the the wig with the hair dye. I don't know. I've never heard that part of the puzzle. I've just heard. I'm I'm just wondering if he's like, yeah, I'll come back, but I'm not dyeing my hair black. Okay. All right. So this was in the IMDb trivia. So take that for what it's worth. Superman slash Clark Kent's hair in this movie is obviously brown and not black as seen in the first two films. That's because Christopher Reeve is wearing a wig throughout the entire movie, unlike the first two films where he dyed his natural hair black. Now, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to form a question. And if someone has an opinion, I'm happy to get it. If it, if he's wearing a wig, why wouldn't you just get a black wig? Thank you. Right? That's what I was thinking. Unless the dye that they use to dye hair is the same one they use to dye the dye wig. wigs. And if he had an allergic reaction, they couldn't. They could just get one that was black enough. 
Okay. Because in All the right. first movie, his hair is, as in the comics, jet black. Yes. Yes. Uh, the second one as well, if I remember right. Right, because they were shot back to back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They were shot at the same time. Yeah. That's why there, there was a threat here. So, That's right. The salt, the, uh, the Salkins. Salkin Claws, right? Wasn't that what we... Was that mm-hmm. the... Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, when you get a so, when you get a uh, industry practice named after you, that's usually not a good thing. Well, I've I've coined a new one for later in my notes. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. All right. Oh, okay. So, with the film already in pre-production, the producers scrambled to find a new actor to play Superman. Their first choice. Hey, I'm Superman. Oh. Sylvester Stallone? No, John Travolta. John Travolta. No, no, that would have been... That would have been a callback. Right, yeah, that's fair. Superman. Oh, my God. And uh, surprise, surprise, John Travolta probably after seeing the first two movies, like, there's no fucking way I'm taking over this part. You're in your mind. didn't know Superman was bald and a gay predator. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, Then they went for, uh, hey, I'm, I'm Superman, dude. Oh, who I'm are you do doing? it through impressions. I'm, yeah, I'm doing I'm, this on the fly. Uh, That's just like your opinion, man. Jeff Bridges? Okay. Jeff Bridges. That I would that okay. Oh, I want to see the screen test. I want to see this. Yep, please. And then your hair hero? <gasps> Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell yeah. were considered, but they weren't interested. Probably they're both like they read the script and went, oh no. <laughs> uh, a few days before filming was set to begin, the Sulkin settled on. Well, I mean, if they'd cast this person, you, you'd probably be like, who's the boss, Superman? No. No. No, no. Tony Danza? No. Yep. Come on. You're you're fucking with me now. I'm not, but guess who was mortified by this? Richard Lester, the man who... <laughs> the director? Had, the director, yeah. Uh, oh, And my pleaded God. for Reeve to return. Reeve eventually agreed if he was allowed to change the script. Hmm. So... Okay. Uh, the producer so probably is like, yeah, I want to be a bad guy and a dick through some of this movie. So uh, they agreed. Uh, oh, and then it says that's one prop popular rumor. Another is once Reeve found out Danza was lined up to replace him, he quickly got intimidated, having assumed the movie would be canceled without his participation. At that point, Reeve relented. I'm going to go with the first one. Yeah, yeah. So it's so interesting. I, let me let me pose a question to you. I'd love your reactions, especially not just as a DC fan, but as an actor. Um, Christopher Reeve, phenomenal actor. And there's some 100%. places where I want to point out the acting he's doing and why it's better than you would think it would be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Here's the but here's the top line question: If he had never been Superman. Uh, let me reframe it. Is his ability as an actor, is it almost overshadowed by this role? Is he a better actor than he gets credit for because this role was so singularly iconic? I think when you're a kid, you're just like, that's Superman. He's right. great. You enjoy the, you just enjoy the movie. As adults, at least for me, like, go back and listen to Superman the movie and Superman 2. Mm-hmm. We, we fawn over how amazing of an actor uh, Christopher Reeve was. Yep. Like, the nuance that he gave to these performances is so just 
God, it's just, it's so sad that he has, he befell the, um, the Superman curse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, other than this movie, you, you kind of need to go a little bit deeper. You know, what is a uh, mouse trap? Is it mouse trap? Mouse, uh, noises off is the movie he's in. Uh, yes, that one, but um, isn't it's the stage? Isn't the mouse trap? Isn't it the mouse trap? Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, Todd from the future, as I'm editing, it's death trap. I don't know why I keep saying mouse trap, death trap. So, other than Superman, you know, I, 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 I'm aware of him from the mouse trap, noises off. I think I've seen once there was a noises office. He is the part that I'd want to play. There's a there's a time traveler time love after movie time. time after time which is not as good as um, no wait time after time no, is that's the good one with Jack the Ripper oh what is the one with him uh, it is I'm looking right now oh where oh why am I not seeing it ninety one it's got to be before that somewhere in time. somewhere in time yeah yeah nineteen eighty yeah 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 but uh, so that's yes. probably why he had the the um, reservation to come back for Superman three. Cause I think he got some praise for time uh, somewhere in time. So he was kind of like, I'm good. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he went to Juilliard. Uh, famously, he and Robin Williams were like, you know, thick as thieves in school. My famously, uh, they were roommates. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. Yeah. I, and famously when they started the Christopher Reeve foundation and Robin Williams showed up on the red carpet, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, reporter was like, and then wh- why are you here tonight? And Robin just looked him straight in the eyes and walked away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that, and do your research. Uh, my understanding is also that Robin Williams, so after, of course, Christopher Reeve's terrible accident, um, Robin Williams, you know, provided a lot of financial support for his. I wouldn't doubt it. Long time friend. Second. Yeah, yeah. But uh, by the way, we we should say he was because I don't know if we mentioned it in one uh, Superman one or two. He was uh, he became a horse rider in his later years and was doing uh, what's it when they hurdling right? Uh, no, it's steeple steeple chasing. Yeah, steeple chasing, and the horse got startled over one of the jumps. He fell and broke two of his vertebrae that um, paralyzed him from the neck down, and ultimately is what. Uh, Ended his life. Yeah, yeah, so sad. But and, and you know, and maybe there's a couple factors in play. He takes this iconic role, um, th- which defines you know the the dawn of superhero movies, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has this tragic accident in which his ability to work is essentially eliminated. He had a couple. He acted a couple times. He did a. Pretty decent remake of Rear Window. Yeah, on TV. Yep, he sure yep. did. Um, he was Dr. Kurt Swan on Smallville. On Smallville, right? Yeah. Um, but essentially, you know, that accident is the end of his his career. And to see him in this movie, it, it, it's even more sad because, holy cow, he is a phenomenal actor. And I, I would have loved to have seen what else he would have done if not... You know, this role, that accident, the combination of the two, you know. What I like in this one is because he's in Smallville, mm-hmm. 
he can go back to before Metropolis, not all like, oh, G-Shock's like his confrontation with Brad in the bowling alley. Yeah. His yeah. line reading of like, I just don't think he needs a lesson in front of all of his friends. You're like, oh, you, Clark's pissed. <laughs> you, you know, the parts we fawn over in the first two movies are really where you see Christopher Reeve doing this small acting, but there's absolutely something happening. And there's like five times the amount of that in this movie. Like, you know, between yeah, yeah, yeah. the Clark and Superman, <clears throat> the evil Superman. I mean, oh my God, if you watch what he's doing in this movie, his performance is phenomenal. Yeah, he's great. I mean, everybody's so good in this, except, you know, poor Richard Pryor, who's just, you know, to put it bluntly, coked out of his fucking mind at this point. <laughs> well, sadly, that's not wrong. Um, no, it's not. But uh, um, listen, I'll just, take this. Uh, I'm sorry, my last thematic question, yeah. and we're getting them front loaded, but it's fine. Um, you know, comedians that show up when a franchise takes a hard left turn. I would point to Jim Carrey in Batman Forever. I've made I've made this thing for forever. The the original Batman and the original Superman movies follow the same path. First one, very. Faithful adaptation, they mess with a couple things, that's fine. Yep. Second one, okay, you're changing some of the stuff, but it's still a pretty true-to-form character um, uh, telling of Batman and Superman. Yep. Third one, they are comedian-driven vehicles that just happen to have superheroes in them. <laughs> and then, well... Yeah, we don't need to talk about the fourth one of those franchises. What fourth one? There's three great Superman movies with Christopher Reeve, and that's and all the, we need to say. And there's two and a half good Batman <laughs> from right. this era. Um, all right, so let me round out some of our other production stuff. Oh, wait. I oh, oh, have oh, a thing about Richard oh, so Pryor. Sorry. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, my gosh. That's why I'm I say the thing about him being coked out. Got it, yes. Can... So, speaking of him being coked out. <laughs> yes. Oh. Do you know how much he was paid to do this movie? How much? Four million dollars. Holy shit. Now. The biggest ever salary for a black actor. So I I have the Which is amazing and sad. Yeah. yeah, That it took until 1983 for that. Now, a few years later, someone would beat that amount by doubling it. Can you do you want to take a guess who that was? A black actor, a black actor, twice that eight, a few years eight. later. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, I'll give you it, it uh, four years later. Four years later, so 1987. Correct, sir. Hmm. My first thought is Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon, but I feel like that role is not big enough to for eight million. That was also eighty six. I believe. Oh, okay, all right. Um, oh, who could that? Be? I, I, it's I another comedy. Just, okay, a comedy. And it's, uh, oh, Eddie Murphy there in. So, what did he do in '87? So that's either Trading Places or Forty Eight Hours. It's neither of those. Neither. It's a Ed, sequel. Another Forty Eight. No, no, that's too early. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop Two. Correct, sir. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. $8 million. Uh, Wow. So I did pull, of course, the conversion factor, because I'm going to talk about the money in a minute. So $1983 to 2023, so 40 Mm -hmm. years, uh, the conversion factor is 3.02. So that $4 million salary is $12 million. 
which Jesus Christ, which is a lot of coke. It, it's a lot of coke, but it's still lower than like it's, what a mark. You know what, Kevin Hart. I, I'm sure Kevin Hart makes more than twelve million dollars for I bet his you movies he's, today. He's probably fifteen, sixteen, easily. Or yeah, easily. He right? might be in the twenty twenty million uh, club. Yeah, tw- plus a piece of the front end, right? Like or plus residuals. The yeah, gross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, let's just put it this way: Kevin Hart never needs to look at his bank account yeah. ever again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. He's good. Oh man! Holy and maybe cow. he should just stop making movies. Well, I well listen. I'm looking forward. What's his? Um, I realize that I've missed. Uh, is it Die Hard? They have a Die- sequel coming out, and I haven't seen the first one. And I need to see the first one. Die Hard is was a um, God one of those. Oh, it was a series. So uh, uh, Quibi. It was on Quibi, and it's just dropped on Roku. All the Quibi stuff. Yep. Ended up on Roku. Which I watched some of the stuff on Quibi. Mm-hmm. There was there was some there was a cool show, like a, about a person who gets stranded, um, it like in, in a cave in, and he's got a phone, and you can either watch it from his POV on the phone by holding your phone <laughs> diagonally, or if you turn it horizontally, you see the cinematic version of uh, it. I'm you like, mean vertically? You mean vertically? Oh, sorry, vert- yeah. vertically okay. or horizontally? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, because and I didn't realize it until. Like halfway through, I'm like, oh, I can turn it this way and get a totally different experience. How fun. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, uh, Die Hard 2 is coming oh, out. Boy. and No, I, thank you. No, so I I like his comedy, so I'm I'm going to be... I need to go watch the first one, and then I'll watch the sequel. So, mm. All right. All right um, so, speaking yeah. of money. Yes. So, in terms of money, our budget for Superman 3 is $39 million. It almost, ex- just a hair over, doubles that. 80 million at the box office with that conversion factor. That's a budget of 118 million. So not uh-huh. shocking for the third one in uh, a box office of 242 million, which is not the billion dollar success today, but that's still, you know, that's a commercial success. Uh-huh. But the studio mm-hmm. thought it was a flop and that's why they sold the fourth one to uh Carco. Who's the, who did break into Electric Boogaloo and all those terrible films? Oh, <laughs> don't talk bad about breaking into Electric Boogaloo because I will watch that movie. <laughs> I'd watch it over Superman Four. Shabba ranks, yes, hundred percent. Mm, Jesus Christ! Oh Lord. Um, okay, now um, go ahead. Yeah, I got so just a couple. So I've literally two production <clears throat> things. So our writer for this is David Newman. He wrote Superman One and Two. He wrote Bonnie and Clyde. He wrote the TV adaptation of the campy 1960s Broadway musical entitled It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. It's Superman. Um, You've got possibilities. Yeah, that's right. I know a song from (laughs) the show. Fucking theater nerd. Okay. Haircut, simply terrible, necktie. The uh, worst. What? Yeah. Uh, um, and it's a it's, good song. It's a good song. I it's will a terrible stipula- show, but that, that song is super fun. I will stipulate that as long as you don't sing it. Um, and then wow. you mentioned you mentioned Richard Lester, the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he directed this one. Uh, he also directed... He was the... Uh, I'm going to say scab. Air quotes director. Yeah. Uh, He's he a scab, was, 100%. He, he was the scab brought in for Superman 2. But, he, you know, the guy had credentials. He had directed A Hard Day's Night with the Beatles. He directed The Three Musketeers, which, interestingly, 
gave rise to the Salkind Clause, which I feel like I've referenced it twice. So the Salkind Clause, we talk about it in either our Superman one or Super two Superman two episodes. So I, or both. Or I both. mean, it's it it stands to reason to just bring it up every time because the Salkins were monsters. I, I'm going to quote from an article in 1983 in the New York Times, and this may come out. This may have been around the t- release of this movie. That's about right. For their daring, the Salkins have gone down in legal history. Actors, agents, and lawyers adopted the so-called Salkind Clause, which prohibits producers from salvaging footage from the cutting room floor for a second movie without paying the cast accordingly. So once again... that means wake up Ron Burgundy, the deleted scenes from the first Anchorman that has been released as its separate movie... Means that everyone, everyone got, got paid. paid. Yes, which Great. is which is exactly what should happen. One hundred percent. Yep. Now wake up, Ron Burgundy. Not great, but they got paid, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> it's um, kind of like about halfway through it, you go, "Yeah, there's a reason this all ended up on the cutting room floor." <laughs> it's not great. It's not great. Have you ever have, seen it? I have not. I have a copy it's, of it, and I have not, not watched it. Yeah, it's and, fine. It's you know, it's better than Anchorman two, but it's still you know not great. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think we've covered everything we need to do up front. Yeah, I think we can go up, up and away and uh, roll that film. So let's spend a minute <laughs> yes. on the cold open unemployment and the title opening, or as I'm going to call it, the Rube Goldberg of goofiness. 100%. And you are exactly right. And I gotta say, this makes there's no connection to the rest of the film. It makes nope. n- it doesn't have to be here. The only reason it's not a true Rube Goldberg is because at one point it just moves to a new action. Yeah, <laughs> like up until a certain point, I'm like yeah, it's a Rube Goldberg. Then all of a sudden there's a bank robbery, and I'm like, oh wait, that has nothing to do with what was happening before. But with that criticism noted, I would say this is one of the most delightful openings of. Any movie we've done on the podcast so far. 100%. Also, what a great tone setter on having this super realistic unemployment room scene. Oh, my God. Uh, So, like, when he goes, don't call me a bum. I'm not a bum. Everyone stops. I was like, yeah, we are mere minutes into this movie, and we have just taken a very fucking serious tone. So, growing up at various points... You know, my mom was unemployed. She often mm. worked in the restaurant industry, was often unemployed. And I remember, and I think we've talked about um, in downtown Syracuse, what is today the National Grid Building. If you're of a certain age, it will always be the Nymo Building, Niagara Mohawk. 100%. But right across the street where um, oh, Talking, Cursive, Talking is now. Cursive is now was yeah. the New York State Department of Labor Unemployment Office. And I remember right. my mom having to drive down there with, you know, all of us kids in the summertime and go into the office and would have to account for her week to show that she had been looking for work in order to get the unemployment check. That scene is bleak, but 100% correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Only buttoned by uh, after, you know, the clerk says, You are, I was about to say, no longer eligible. Well, look. Next. And he's like, wait a minute, what about this week? I need this week. And he doesn't get it, walks away, gets the matchbook from the guy standing there to light his cigarette, 
And he sees, are you good with computers? Learn how to use them. Make big bucks. And did you catch what the phone number was? Yes. Metropolis, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> and like all of a sudden, it's just like, okay, now we're going to get a little goofy for a bit. Yeah. You, you know, you talked about prior being coked out. We know that that's true from everything that was happening in his life. That said, his riffing and griping about unemployment... That feels very real. Yeah, and good. I did not lose it. It, it was stolen by a pickpocket. A television set? It was a teeny, tiny, teeny, wincy Japanese two-inch television set. I'm not upset watching any of this. It's really good. None of his riffing is ever annoying, but you can tell which scenes he took a bump before doing yeah. and which ones <laughs> he didn't. Like, well, I'm, I'm, Look, it, yeah. it's terrible. It's horrible. He had sure. an addiction problem. Yep. I'm not trying to make light of it, but... He himself pokes fun at it, so I feel like it's okay for me to make a comment like that. I'm not belittling the struggle that the man had sure. at all. I mean, he literally did a movie, uh, Jojo Dancer, This Is Your Life Calling, which is a thinly fictionalized version of him setting himself on fire when he was freebasing cocaine. So That and uh, was it him? I seem to remember. Uh, yeah, I'm 99 percent sure there's a there's a comedian story where he's doing a set and like he's kind of fumbling with stuff and the audience kind of tittering and like they're like, oh, I don't, we don't know what's going on. He goes, I'm so sorry. This is the first time I've done stand up clean oh. in a very long time. Oh, I don't. Oh, I and don't, like the audience just like flipped the switch and like we are fucking here to support you. And it, apparently he he killed. Oh, I'm just like, God oh. damn it. That's that takes balls. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I would love that to be him. And if I'm 99% sure that's what it, that's who it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of our listeners know it, yeah, tell us. So, anyways, um, to, so on to the silly part, yes, yes. <laughs> if I may, I wrote it all down, sure. Okay, <clears throat> can Lorelei. I do you want me to do you want me to hold my reactions to the end or react? At, we can okay. react as we go, okay, because I have a note. For myself, right here. <laughs> Lorelai, stand in for Miss Tessmacher. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know who Lorelai, the actress, is married to? No. Billy Connolly. I fucking love Billy Connolly. <laughs> and it's not only because of his Scottish accent. He's a funny motherfucker. He's very, very funny. And I get it. I'm like, because she's really good. And so I'm like, where did she disappear to? First of all, She's a Kiwi, so already winning points in my book. Yep, go on. <laughs> and then, like, and which is so weird because, my, oh, well, she's Australian, but up on the uh, top of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, she's, you, uh, uh, oh my God, don't, let's not start a war. She's no, from no. New Zealand. No, I know. I said she's a Kiwi. I'm saying you, when she's up on top of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Did you get Harley Quinn vibes from her? No, I thought I heard you say Australian, and that yeah, I was... because I was going to equate to Margot Robbie, oh. who is Australian. Oh, got it. Okay, sorry, sorry. Like, oh, but <laughs> but like there, I, I was like, oh, this is like proto Harley Quinn. Don't you never get here? Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't worry, I'm long past saving. Like doing the oh, I'm just a big dum dum, but I'm actually incredibly smart. Yeah, whereas Miss Tetzbacher oh, like, is bit. sweet, but not necessarily smart. If that her sweetness takes over, yeah. Yeah. She's never in it for the bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Lorelei uh distracts a man with a white hat who knocks over toy penguins and causes a roller skater to push a hot dog cart in a row of phone booths. Now, kids, <laughs> 
a phone booth is a <laughs> box you used to have to get in to make phone calls <laughs> before cell phones were a thing. Uh, the phone booths knock over a woman whose little dog gets loose, which runs by a seeing eye dog. The seeing eye dog then chases the little dog, knocking down an old woman carrying groceries. <laughs> yep. Leaving the blind man without a guide. First of all, would never happen. <laughs> seeing eye dogs are trained to not be distracted by things. Yep. Like that. It's a bad seeing eye dog right there. Still a good boy. <laughs> or girl, I don't know. The sex is still a good dog. That's, that's right. Just a bad seeing eye dog. <laughs> uh, construction worker that is using a machine to paint the, the street lines runs to her aid. The blind man grabs the machine, thinking it's a dog, and walks into traffic. <laughs> Meanwhile, one of the toy penguins goes into the street and bumps into a road flare that sets it on fire. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Enter our titular character, Clark Kent. He sees it. Uses his super breath to blow it out. Very daring. It is like rush hour in the big apricot itself, Metropolis. Uh, I uh, love, I love it that. when Lana calls it the big apricot later on. 100%. It's so silly. But like, I'm like, dude, Clark, no. Somebody, somebody saw you do that. <laughs> One of the other penguins almost falls into a hole, but is saved by the man with the white hat. Who started all this, only to be knocked in by the blind man. I'm sorry, I think you mean the man with the yellow hat? He's not the man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong franchise. Sorry. Wrong franchise. Uh, meanwhile, a bank robbery shootout causes a car to blow out uh, one of its tires and run over a fire hydrant, filling the car with water. Clark notices, jumps into the photo booth where a kid, do you know who that kid played? I do not. He was little baby Clark in... Superman the Come movie. on. Seriously? Same kid. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah. Accidentally gets four pictures of Clark changing into Superman. Superman rips the three pictures of him changing, gives the boy the picture as Superman. Superman flies. I got to say, the flying technique in this movie, chef's kiss. It's so good. Uh, so it, I I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand how they're doing it. I don't see wires. Well, be, well, hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, well, I got to know. Simply later. because so, I don't see wires. Yes, he's not flying very fast. Th so there's definitely places where they are superimposing the image of Christopher Reeve oh, sure. over the film. When he's flying Gus or I, when he's flying Ricky. Fucking Ricky. Yeah. <sighs> Ricky may be the thing I want to cut in this movie. Yeah, well, listen, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot that gets shoehorned into this movie. Yeah. The only gripe I have with the flying. So broadly speaking, this is the era before CGI. Everything sure. is practical or film effects, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the one thing that every time I see it, it bugged me. The end of his cape will flutter like there's a fan. But none of the rest. But of the it rest will. of it is just resting on his back. I'm like, could you either do it or don't do it? I don't know. The so half. I, yeah. Did you ever watch Lois and Clark? No, I didn't. It would be the exact opposite. Dean Kane's cape was like out here. Mm. Every time he was flying, like, no, that's not how that works right. either. If okay, he's flying super it. fast, it's going to be against his body. Yeah, right, right. Straight, like with the airflow, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be. Whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, may I take this moment to say, fuck you, Dean Kane. Uh, uh, yes, you're correct. Okay. So Superman flies to save the drowning man from his car. Yep. As Superman flies away, two men painting a sign notice him and are distracted. 
knocking over a paint can onto a well-dressed man. That's the only way I could describe him. Yep. Who initially confuses the drips of pl- paint for rain. Uh, <laughs> the bucket pail falls on top of his head. Mm-hmm. And the paint pail, rather, he knocks over a gumball machine, causing a street mime to fall on the gumballs. (laughs) I have a morality question here. Is it okay to say good when the mime falls? Because I did, (laughs) and I don't know if I should feel guilty or not. (coughs) Yeah, was was everyone applauding because they thought his act was so good? Like, finally. Or is like that fucking mime. That's right. (laughs) The only good mime was Marcel Marceau. (laughs) No! Re-enter the blind man who walks through a large painting because now we are just fully in a cartoon. Yep, 100%. Being moved and reunited with his seeing-eye dog. Lorelai walks by again as Clark and a pie delivery man are walking by. Uh, The man slips on a gumball, almost hits Lorelai with a pie. (laughs) Clark catches the pie and smashes it into the face of... The man with the white hat. If I was that dude, I'm going home. Going home, going back to bed. You just turn around, go right. Yep. 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 And that's all I got. Okay. So a couple things. One, I will know, I will never, ever again entertain any objections to when I read the opening text or voiceover of a movie. (laughs) Right. Because you documented that. I I sure did. I I had to. I Um, had to document it. It was so good. I'm like, about halfway through it, I rewound. I'm like, I need to document all this. This is wonderful. The other one, and I wonder if you're young enough. My guess is these were gone by the time you got to school. There's an image early on um, that filled me with such nostalgia of the old, the TRS-80. And the TRS stood for the Radio Shack, which was mm-hmm. the the it was like the predecessor to the iMac. It was an all-in-one computer. It was the keyboard, the processor, mm-hmm. and the monitor. And it was this iconic gray thing, like a TV, <laughs> like a TV set with a keyboard attached to the front of it. Yeah, um, I I saw that, and I you know I'm like, oh Jesus, I'm old. But oh, know, was there one in the opening? There's one in the opening. Yeah. Yeah. No, isn't that what they're using at Gus's computer class? Are they use aren't they using No, because I I had it only in the I my note oh, was okay. Okay. was in the the opening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, that's there you just, go. those two scenes like say what you will about this movie and I think it's perfect. I'm going to spoil for the end that the the movie on IMDb is a straight 5. Yeah. This is this, you're either going to love this movie or you're going to hate it. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to watch these two opening scenes and go, "Okay, I know what kind of movie I'm in for. Some serious tone, mostly screwball. Got it." And, or you're going to be like, "This is totally all over the place. I'm out." And, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it now and I'm going to explain it at the end cuz I want to talk yeah. through the movie first. I will say this. There are elements of this movie that are truer to DC comic l- lore or tradition than many other movies we've watched. This is a better comic book adaptation than most yes. modern comic book movies. Yes. Either side of the fence. Yep. Agree. Agree. Okay. Because So it, I hope it, I don't forget about that when we get to the end of the movie. <laughs> I, I won't because I want to I want to talk about it too. Because okay. this movie, it has ideas of other movies in it, but at its core, it is a comic book movie. And put a pin in the word and we'll We'll come back to this, and I think it's best done at the end. Put yeah. a pin in the word, Elseworlds. 
Because that's how I'm going to frame this. God, I fucking love Elseworlds. Uh, yeah. Dear right. James Gunn, please make a live-action Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, fuck yes. Oh, yes, God. let's do that. Victorian-era Batman fighting Jack the Ripper. Wh- Take all my money. Well, okay. all right. Well, oh, no. I'm going to hold no? the Else- Elseworlds. We're holding till the end. I've got stuff Okay, but I'm just saying Gotham by Gaslight should oh, be a yeah. live-action Oh, no, film. 100%. You're 100% correct. Yes. Oh, God, Sorry. so good. Okay. Okay, okay. so... On to the actual plot yes. brought to us by Wikipedia. Uh, and you know what? I could be wrong. As I'm looking at my notes, um, I wonder if in that opening, because we've got Gus at unemployment, and then you've mm-hmm. got the whole Goldberg sequence, but I think he gets to the computer class before the plot summary starts. So that could be him in that class, which is before. Yeah, because you see the people looking out the window at the yeah, very end of it yeah, being yeah. like, what the fuck just that, happened out here? And that's then it goes it into the. Yep. Yeah, sorry about that. So. Okay, so metropolis-based conglomerate Websco, we were we were way off. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> During, no. We were saying Roscoe. Oh, did we say? Uh, yeah, yes, because Ross Webster. Yeah. Websco. So please, yep. when we say it in the beginning, wrong buzzer us every time. I'll do my best. <laughs> if you don't get one, I'll get it. Don't worry. I, I usually do. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! Uh, hires Gus Gorman, a talented. By the power of screenwriting, computer programmer. <laughs> That's That's There's right. fucking no reason for this man to be so good at computers. To the point where he gets it to do the thing that the, the teacher says it can't do. How do you do that? I don't know. I just did it. I wanted to just pull up Superman through the script. Like, it just says I do it right here in the script. So I'll jump ahead to a note I had for later, but it's absolutely appropriate here. This is an era in which... Computers are seen as magic boxes. 100%. They can do anything. And like the action climax of the movie, the big showdown between Superman and and uh, the bad guys uh, is perfect proof of that. Computers can do anything, right? They can turn people into cyborgs. They can shoot beams. Definitely not force. Brainiac. Let's yeah, be very clear. Yeah, definitely not Brainiac, right? But it's very much this era where computers are a thing that most people don't understand. So if you say they can do anything, people are not going to challenge that. Right. I mean, perfect example, Gus and Bezels, by typing into the computer, override all security. (laughs) Right. Oh, that's all you had to do? And the computer's like, okie dokie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, From his employer through salami slicing to the tune of $86,000. Now... Salami slicing, of course, we must pay homage to the movie, paying homage to this movie, Office Space. Each withdrawal, it's a fraction of a cent. That's too small to notice. But you take a few thousand withdrawals a day, you space it out over a couple of years, that's a few hundred thousand dollars. It's like Superman 3. So that $85,000 is about a quarter of a million dollars today. But the term salami slicing is, that's a term. Like, that, that is, you know, what it's mm-hmm. referred to. Yep. No, it's a real thing that you you will These, go to super-duper jail if you do. <laughs> but microtransactions that, you know, don't rise to the level to trigger an awareness, you know, eating a, you know, taking the salami one slice at a time. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, he just grabs a whole salami and runs <laughs> because he gets a check for $86,000. Which is basically what happens to the guys in office space. What happened? You tell me, Michael. It's your software. Yes, it's your software. You know, corporate accounting is sure as hell going to notice 305,326.13, Michael. 
They probably won't know it's, it's gone for another three or four days. Michael, you said the thing was going to take two years. What happened? You said the thing was supposed to work. Technically, it did work. No, it didn't. Which brings him to the attention of CEO Ross Webster. Um, my question, mm-hmm. if they know the money's missing, they can see it was taken from an account. It's a fucking paper paycheck that was printed out right. with his name on it. Yep. They have to know he has the money. This is kind of a big old plot hole in the movie. So, well, now the only thing I'm going to say is this is an era in which computerized financial records, they're not, so today, 100%. Right? Did he do it just at the right time where? I mean, listen, you know, I work for a large insurance company and I work with people who started at the company when they still had steno pools. And typists and dot matrix keep, printers. They would on typewriters would be typing in policy provision details on boilerplate. You know, had all of the standard language and gaps where you would type in an amount, yep. a duration, any of those things. Good. So, Lord. so would they eventually find him? Of course they would. But the whole concept of check kiting, right? Which is where you, you know, you float a check. And access those funds, and you're gone before the bank real. Like that's mm-hmm. this is an era where that's possible. You know, it's it's not today, oh, and insane. it's for for younger viewers. It might not make sense to see this unless you understand that that you know the digitation, uh, the the digital information age is decades away. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know, Webster's like... He'll keep on quietly taking the bread from our mouths. He'll keep a low profile, and he won't do a thing to call attention to himself. Unless, of course, he is a complete and utter moron. Cue Gus coming to work <laughs> in Magnum P.I.'s Ferrari. You know, if, you, if you're a fan a Ferrari, of... <laughs> I think it's a T9... No, now you've got the, the 90 in my head. Hang on. Something 90... 308. It's a Ferrari 308. If this was Goodfellas, Robert De Niro would have killed Gus already for not laying low and sitting yep. on the money, right? Like, it's exactly what you don't do. They the would have Ferrari. invited him into the back room. Yeah, That's 100%. right. Yeah, come on. I got some uh, fur coats for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Webster is intrigued by Gus's potential to help him financially. Webster and his sister, Vera. Oh, God. This poor actress. This poor actress. They do her dirty so many times uh, over. So her name is Annie Ross, and she had a very successful career as a uh, singer. I think she was... I think she was a jazz singer. Sure, you could hear that in her voice. Yeah. Um, and she's playing a part here, but they don't do anything to make her look what you would ever conventionally call attractive. Yeah, it, right down to like she's got her hair dyed black but hasn't had her roots done in well over a year. Yeah, yeah. And what's what's sad is if you look up – so her name's Annie Ross – you look her up when she was a younger woman, jazz singer, she was an attractive woman. You almost, you almost, I, I don't know. I felt bad watching her in this role and I don't, I don't even know why, but um, yeah, it's, how can we make her look less attractive? I feel like was a conversation that was had. How could we make her look the most unfuckable possible? Yeah. I believe <laughs> yeah. is probably what the Salkin yes. said. 
Well, for, right. First of all, we're you know I want you to stand her next to Pamela Stevenson, and Jesus then Christ. here's these other things. Yeah, yeah. Pamela Stevenson, what a what a smoke show. Smoke like, show beyond being funny and a really good actor in this movie. Yep, she's a gorgeous. Yeah, not a lot of acting credit. I mean, forty, which is not zero. No, she went on to have three kids with Billy Connolly. Yeah, <laughs> they got married in '89. I think she pretty much stopped acting. Yeah, and and I would say this movie is probably, I would say probably her, like high water mark in her career. Mm-hmm. A lot of TV work. Um, Finders Keepers was a 1984 movie that actually that uh, Richard Lester directed as well. Clearly, they're like, well, we can't have Miss Tessbacher, we can't have Lex Luthor, but we want those types. Mm-hmm. We're just going to create them out of whole cloth. Uh, we're just going to, you know, fudge the numbers a little bit and no one will know the difference. That's right. That's right. Except we will. Gus, you're a genius. A naughty genius, but what the hell? Nobody's perfect. Hey, cheers. Webster's girlfriend, Lorelai, Webster, and Vera all blackmail Gus into helping him. Yep. Now, at the Daily Planet, Clark Kent... So I'll point it out here specifically because if, you, if you're going to go back and rewatch, watch this moment. You see Christopher Reeves putting on the Clark suit. And I mean that in the sense of the physical changes that he shows us when he goes from Clark to Superman. And, yeah. you know, it's it just all his, his phenomenal acting is all over this movie. And it's way better than a five out of ten. But. So be it. Yeah, yeah. Mr. White, I hate to bother you, but I promised these people I'd call them back this morning. What do you think? Clark Kent convinces Perry White to let him and Jimmy Olsen visit Smallville for Clark's high school reunion, while fellow reporter in Clark's unrequited romantic interest, Lois Lane, leaves for a Bermuda vacation. Which I'm going to call a deus ex salcana. <laughs> wow, that is a brilliant term. Oh my god! She also was very uh, vocal about being upset that Donner was fired, and yep. they're like, "Fine, well, you, we're going to write you out of the film." Mm-hmm. She was on set five days. Wow. Yeah, it's so, and not even bothering to like doing a weird Southern accent. I don't remember that from the first two movies. And I'm like, oh, she's just not hiding her accent. She's Canadian. She was <laughs> Canadian. Right. She's right. no longer with us. But she's Canadian, born, lived in Canada until her like late 20s, early 30s. I'm like, how the fuck does she have this accent? What's happening? You know, I wonder if that's like, fuck you. I wonder if that's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to come in. You you need my face, but I'm going to fuck with you. And I'm going to say the lines. Yeah. I'm going to say the lines. I'm going to say them this way, and this is all you're going to get. Like, uh, famously, the first interracial kiss in American television was... Star Trek. Star Trek. The UK beat us by like a year and a half. Um, oh. But American, it's that. And the censors were like... Uh, and the, the um, studio was like, look, you got to film it with them just embracing. Yes. And... They were like, okay, we'll do it both ways. And um, Shatner sabotaged each one by turning her face away. So his face <laughs> facing the camera and crossing his eyes and sticking out his tongue every single take. So they're like, boy, we've only got Say one. Say what you want yeah. about William Shatner. He at least did the, the one thing right. Yeah, yeah, I love that story because you're right. We, we do hear a lot of negative Shatner stories, and I think he deserves it, but – doesn't mean he's a monster, and yeah, I, I like that story, 100%. Yeah, it's a good story. Um, so um, Lois Lane leaves her Bermuda vacation. Mm-hmm. Now, in route... <laughs> um, I just want to point out, 
the fact that Clark is annoyed by Jimmy on this bus ride shows how annoying Jimmy is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But my Uncle Al on my father's side, he won't eat her stuffing. He says it should be cooked on the outside of the turkey, and she cooks it on the inside of the turkey. Mm. Yeah, my mother told my Aunt Helen. Aunt Helen's my father's half-sister. I told you that, right? Yeah. If the world's biggest Boy Scout is annoyed at you, yes. You, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. As Superman, Kent extinguishes a fire. Oh, the ice over the fire. That's pretty rad. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rad. And yeah. it's so well executed. Yep, agree. Uh, in a chemical plant, which is conta- which contains this unstable Beltric acid. Oh, hey, Todd. Yes. The scientist. Did you recognize him? Uh, I rec- I recognize that it was some... Oh, no, I don't recall offhand. That would be one Mr. Barry Denon, who was Pontius Pilate in the Jesus Christ Superstar movie. Don't let me stop your great self-destruction. No, I did not. Oh, no, I did not recognize that. I saw a note on IMDb. Frank Oz was a brain surgeon in a deleted scene. Uh, Barry Denon was also in Fiddle on the Roof. If you remember the movie The Dark Crystal. Yep. He was Chamberlain, the Skeksy that is ousted at the beginning of the movie. Please? Please? Wait? Please make peace? And lastly, he was longtime lover to... One Miss Barbara Streisand. Uh, what was his name again? Barry, Barry Denon. Barry Denon. Oh my God, he has 139 acting credits. He's in he, the voice. He's a, a voice in World of Warcraft Legion. All right. Yeah, he did a lot of voiceover work. Yeah. yeah. And he is sadly no longer with us. Star Wars Clone Wars, Citizen Ramses Dendup. That's right. Yeah. Oh, a lot of video game. Oh my God, a lot of video game stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was very very talented. Oh wow. Oh, weird! Oh no, the TV series Weird Science. I'm like, right? I love the, weird the, yeah, the, not not the movie. Not the He's, movie. All right, that's uh, that got my attention. And I gotta say, this small scene, Barry Denon like sells the shit out of this small little scene he has in the movie. Like he doesn't ham it up, but you feel the tension of like I'm gonna stay here and probably die when this stuff goes off, but I'm. <laughs> Gonna do my best. Sir, you better get out of here now. I'll show you the quickest way. Go on, look after the others. I can't leave here. Why not? I gotta stay and look after those. That's concentrated Beltric acid. That stuff heats up over 180 degrees. We've got a crisis on our hands that'll make this fire look like a Sunday school picnic. It's really well done. All it right. really grounds the scene for me. He's not like, Superman, you have to get out of here. Get all the people. He's like, no, you have to go. You have to take care of the people. I'm gonna stay here and make sure. Like, the fact that he gives every line at this level is. Holy shit, I'm internalizing all that is freaking me out right now. So I'm just gonna talk <laughs> like this and everything's fine. It's totally fine. I'm gonna die in a minute, but it's totally fine. <laughs> I really, I really, I really dug it. Kent extinguishes a fire in a chemical plant containing the unstable Beltric acid, which I don't believe is actually a thing. And this produces a corrosive vapor when superheated. Um now I talked, uh, let's see, I got a couple notes here. We talked about the hair dyer wig. Um, <laughs> I would say this is almost a cowboy switch, but instead we get Superman imposed over the original film. And then this is what I would point to is like the start of like nothing but really good practical effects in this movie, right? Him flying, yeah. 
lifting the smokestack. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff in an era before CGI that is just okay. How can we do this? Super and it looks realistic good. looking. Yeah, yeah. The the him changing in the cop car is that what you're saying? The cowboy switch. Uh, yes, yes, that's the cowboy. That's switch. that's actually not a cowboy switch. It is because he doesn't go off. He doesn't go off. All it is, what's separating the two, like it's a still of the of the cop car and the. It's the same kind of what they do at the end during the junkyard fight yep. with superimposing. And the thing that's blocking the two things is a superimposed reflection of the fire in the windshield. Oh, okay. It's a really, really well done effect. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, speaking of really well done effects, how good is that Superman walking through the fire to get to Jimmy Olsen? Pretty, pretty good. I mean, I'm like, that fucker's walking through fire right I, now. Like, in an era where you know your options are figure out how to make it look good or models, or, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I know how they're doing it. It's it's forced perspective, mm-hmm. you know, but but still, it's good forced perspective. It's, yeah, it's unfair. To look at this movie through a lens of 2023 and say, oh, my God, it looks so bad. You have to look at it as what was available 40 years ago and how does it look? 40 years. Jesus Christ, 40 years ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So <laughs> Now um, you feel old. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> I sure do. You really have grown, Clark. <laughs> you look very well, Miss Bannister. Oh, I can't complain. At the 18-year reunion, question mark? Because the class of 65, it's 1983. Sure. But then later, so they're celebrating the 1984 Olympics. <laughs> because mm. there were no Olympics in 83. It was 84. Uh, yeah. Were there 1983 Olympics? No, it was 84. I mean. the Fucking wild. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they straddle years, right? But. But not with the, the summer Olympics, torch lighting. That's, the summer, that's only summer. The summer Olympics is clearly 84, which was held in Los yeah. Angeles. Which is why they did that, because sure. probably... I, I don't know. I know a good chunk of this got shot in uh, Canada. Interesting. Those Canadian fucks. Which is why KFC is all over this movie, because KFC had just come to Canada, much like in Supergirl. Remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, is it? No, it's Popeyes. It's Popeyes in Supergirl. Weird. Oh, I don't. It's the other chicken place. Yeah, it's Popeye. Well, KFC is not mentioned. Uh, Gus does make a reference. Do you know how they're always trying to find the secret recipe in that chicken in the bucket? But when he, Gus opens the supply closet, there's there's like a reusable KFC bag. Oh, I'm like, Lord. that wasn't a thing in 83. <laughs> they just built. <laughs> okay, so at the 18-year reunion, we're going to sure. say, because the class of 65. Sure. Clark reunites with childhood friend Lana Lang, played by, God damn it, the so delightful Annette O'Toole. She's just... Let me ask you, and this is a this is one of those broad questions. I, yes, I love her. Oh, <laughs> I don't think that was the question. I don't know how to think about Lana Lang. In my mind, it summons up the same kind of conflict I have with Gwen Stacy versus Mary Jane Watson for... Peter Parker, I feel like you're either Camp Gwen or Camp Mary Jane. Lois versus Lana. Like, do you have a favorite there? Does Colin have a favorite? I'm pretty sure Lois is Colin's favorite and mine. But the thing, the only difference is, and it, I think it's been retconned to the retcon, yep. is that they dated in high school. And I believe 
he she is the first person that Clark told he had powers. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, which is weird because on Superman and Lois, the current TV show, she did not know until, spoiler, the end of last season. And, like, of course, was rip shit pissed because they're like, it's not like young Superman or even, it's it's 40-ish year old Superman with two high school age kids. And, you know, 40-ish age <laughs> Lois and 40-ish age Lana. Like, they're all grown-ups, like full-on grown-ups. Oh, they're pretty much... The age John Snyder and Leonardo Tool were on Smallville. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. But he's still Superman, like because he's a fucking Kryptonian. Kryptonian sure. Forty years old is a, you know, yeah. he's going to live to be like a hundred and fifty-seven. Right, <laughs> right, right. The interesting thing at the time, I think Lana may have been a character in the comics, and then they made her divorced in the movie, and like DC Comics had to like do all these gymnastics to be like, yes, she was sure. divorced and we just never talked about it. And mm-hmm. here's why they got divorced and everything's okay. Because at the time divorce was still a taboo subject. And, and listen, clearly the, the reason we're seeing this in the movie is because of Margot Kidder's dispute with the producers. I mean, let's, you mm-hmm. know, that's obvious, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, so she's a divorcee with a young son. Ricky. Oh, oh um, sorry. We're going to see this in a second. Christopher Reeve's physical comedy, when he is dancing as oh Clark. God. His dancing is, that I, I put okay, it later. Yeah. Uh, his dancing is fucking comedy gold. So good. And the dancing, and all of a sudden he realizes this earth angel. And he's like, oh, uh, here, come here. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's slow dance. And like, even his slow dance is awkward and the, weird. The guy was such a better actor than he gets credit for. He was a brilliant actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clark is harassed by uh, probably Mount Rushmore of douchebags, Brad Wilson. Yes, who's a who? I feel bad for this actor. He's so he's good. really good. He's totally a that guy actor. Uh, I didn't grab his name. Uh, Brad is Gavin O'Hurlihy. Yeah, he's wonderful and in this movie. He's in Willow. He's in ooh, which just got canceled on Disney Plus. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, he's only got 55 acting credits, which seems low. I feel like I saw he was all over the place in the like the 70s and 80s. A yeah. lot of TV stuff. He was on the Six Million Dollar Man, which you know I love. Ooh. Yep, uh, like one episode. Um, Everybody ma- was in except for Lee Majors. Everyone was in one episode. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he was in Never Say Never Again, which was Sean Connery's return to the James <sighs> Bond role. He was yeah, in. That was, a, that was a rough one. The Dirty Dozen: colon, The Next Mission. Don't watch that one. <laughs> the TV movie. Yeah, but he just. Oh, where it's where it's Telly Savalas playing not the same character, right? Uh, no. Is Telly Savalas? Mm, let's see. Lee Marvin comes back. Ernest Bergnine. He... Those must be flashbacks. Those must be flashbacks. I can't imagine I they got. Oh no, maybe they got him for the whole movie. General Warden. Oh, yeah, that's Borgnine. Orders Major Reisman. Yeah, that's Lee Marvin. Oh, Ken Wall. Ken Wall is in that. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Ken Wall. What a, what a shit show. Yeah. yeah. But no, no telly? Okay, no I thought telly. he was back no. for the sequel. I thought we talked about that when we did Dirty Dozen. Yeah, no, he is not in that. Remember when you were queen of the prom? All these guys were waiting in line to get a dance with you? There's only one guy in your dance car right now, huh, honey? That's good old... Brad Wilson. Hi, Brad. 
Hey, Ken. Long time no see. Clark is harassed by Brad Williams, former bully, and Lana Lang's ex-boyfriend from high school. Later, they're having uh, a picnic. I, this so, was the point I'm, where, like, oh, I'm so go sorry. ahead. Le, le, so, sorry. He is not <laughs> in the next mission, right, which was the TV sequel to Dirty Dozen, which was, like, almost 20 years later. Dirty Dozen's 1967. But Kelly Savalas does come back in 1988 for the Dirty Dozen, The Fatal Mission, which I assume was also, yeah, it was a TV movie. Yep. Okay. So I'm sure he is was he like, playing wait, we're his still character getting... from? Because uh, didn't he die? Didn't he die in the? He does die. Game? Yes, Maggot dies. Uh, Maggot, so right? Major Wright. Yeah, he's a different character, but he's like, wait, oh, and he might be one of the leads. Oh my God, he's the lead. Oh, Kojak. Oh. Good Lord. Okay. Oh, you know, wait. So I'm sorry. I know we go on some tangents sometimes. Oh boy. Here Let we me go. give you some of the people in the 1988 TV movie, the dirty dozen, the fatal mission. I'm so scared. Now, Ernest Borgnine returns again as general warden, but here's some of the other people. Telly Savalas is recast as major, Wright, Who I assume is playing the, the Colonel rice. Lee Marvin. Character. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Here's some of the other people. Jeff Conway, <laughs> Eric Estrada, oh. Ernie Hudson, Jesus Christ, Ray Boom Boom Mancini, the actor, I'm sorry, the boxer, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John Matusik, John Matusik, Sloth, oh, Sloth Love Chunk, Sloth Love Chunk, Heather Thomas, uh, you would recognize her. She fall. She was on 112 episodes of The Fall Guy with Lee Majors. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay. Yeah, she. Yeah, uh, you would. You would probably yeah. recognize her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. She's on TJ. Oh, only one episode of TJ Hooker. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, um, but oh my gosh, that's. Can you imagine assembling that cast? Sorry, that was a decide. Just, just so everyone's clear, we are never doing that movie. Which one? Either the final one of mission. Them. Okay, all right. Oh, the Either last, the next mission, the final mission. Yeah, the TV movies. Sorry, we're theatrical only. Sorry, not sorry. So uh, later, they're having a picnic. Yep. <laughs> and this yep. is where I wrote the note. Why are Chris Reeves? Wigs so bad. Yeah. Like, this is the point where you go, I think he's wearing a wig. <laughs> yeah. Bright sunlight, and you can see the line. Wigs are always a dead giveaway on guys in the back because instead of it coming like this, yep. it's always kind of like fluffed out because it's it's pushing up against real hair. You're just like, oh boy, <laughs> that's bad news bears right there. Yep. No, no bueno. Superman saves the unconscious Ricky from being killed by Combine Harvester. And the look he gives the guy who's driving the Combine is like, I'm going to murder you. I'm like, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't see Ricky. It's not his sure. fault. There was no malice he was drunk. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Now, infuriated by Columbia's refusal to do business with him. Columbia has two important exports and one of them's coffee. And the other one, Richard Pryor, is very familiar oh, with. Oh, that's a, I knew you were going there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Webster orders Gus to command Vulcan, an American weather satellite, to create a tornado. Um, That's not how weather satellites work. Nope. Not unless you're Cobra from G.I. Joe. (laughs) Fair play. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Uh, To create a tornado to destroy Columbia's coffee crop. 
So when Webster is describing Colombia as a country, do you remember the word he used to describe it? Oh, I do not. That is one miserable, pissant little country. Oh. I feel like uh, uh, one former almost indicted <laughs> president <laughs> oh. may have taken that and go, I, I Hopefully by the I time this my... airs. Hopefully by <laughs> the time this airs. A grand jury here in New York City has just handed up an indictment against former President Donald Trump. This allows Webster to corner the market. So I already mentioned, you know, we're in the era of computers or magic boxes. Uh-huh. But should we alert Marjorie Taylor Greene? This could be the Jewish space laser that she is so worried about. I feel like it's our duty to inform her. And, but then I'd have to talk to her. Oh, okay. Never mind. And not All right. tell her. Take a big step back. And literally, fuck your own face! Gus travels to Smallville to use a Websco subsidiary to reprogram the satellite. Holy cow, drunk Gus is so funny to me. You thought I was drunk too, didn't you? <laughs> so is this big cowboy hat the inspiration for Norm MacDonald? As Burt Reynolds in Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL? I was thinking Dumb and Dumber because uh, Lloyd a, wears one. Yeah, Lloyd wear, wears one after they. Doesn't he wear, but isn't it a regular cowboy hat? I mean, this is at a. At the foam... beginning, not when they're in Aspen. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, he has one. I wonder if that's an homage. I mean, I know Jim Carrey's a it, Jim Carrey is a fan of the history of comedy. I wonder if that was. And so are the Farley brothers. So and, yeah, oh, I don't see why not. Uh, question for you: Have you ever mm-hmm. seen a diagonal crosswalk? Not in America. Uh, me neither. All right, not in Ireland and not in Scotland. So uh, we'll add a couple more. They're, they're definitely in Japan in Tokyo. Um, what? Yeah, one hundred percent. You so what happens? Like all directions stop for a bit, and you can cross any way. Absolutely. And I bet you in Canada where this may have that's overhead shot was shot. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, I didn't even that was just a shitty joke. I No, it's a real thing, but not in not in the big apricot. <laughs> Although Vulcan creates a devastating storm, Superman neutralizes it. Sure Seeing does. Superman as a threat to his plans, Webster orders Gus to fabricate kryptonite. Nice hint that uh Lorelei is smart. When they're talking yeah. about what it is, and she just gets, she drops the whole act. Kryptonite. What? Or Krypton Ham or Krypton Heimer? I don't know what you call it, but there's this stuff that can, like, hurt Superman. How would you know about that? Oh, I know a few things. So I understand from the graffiti I've seen. Oop, you almost let it slip. You're so close. <laughs> you know, so this is around the point. They're having this kind of uh, meeting of the evil minds atop <laughs> a skyscraper in which Roscoe has uh, apparently... Sent in, uh, not Roscoe. Uh, Webster. Webster, yeah, right, yeah. Roscoe. Webster has brought in snow so he can ski atop his building with a little chateau attached. With a little chateau, too. right, right. A little Swiss chateau, right. <laughs> so um, stupid, but I love it. Gus falling off the rooftop is another great practical effect. So this device is called a descender. Mm-hmm. Unlike the way we usually see falling, which is usually the stunt performer, you know, catapults out and then turns over to land starfishing on their back. This one allows them to go in any position. And this one is a very, it's a slow descent. It's not as fast as falling. But that's just a guy with skis on his feet on a descender, which is controlling the speed of his descent. Again, before CGI, this is how you did it. And I I just loved that, seeing that. Todd, not enough money in the world. 
<laughs> I remember to do that fucking stuff. A movie that is ridiculous but a lot of fun. I believe John Woo's Broken Arrow, starring the aforementioned John Travolta. There's <laughs> and a Christian stu- Slater, yeah, and Christian Slater. There's a stunt where Howie Long, slash, oh you know, God. football player Howie slash Long. coach Eddie Brock. Wait. What? For the longest time, I thought he should have played Eddie Brock because he oh. literally looks like how McFarlane drew Eddie drew Brock. Drew Eddie Brock. Oh, that's – oh, my God. Yeah, you're 100% correct. Yeah. Um, there's a stunt. There's a you know gag, as the stunt people used to call them, at least. Uh, there's a stunt in that movie where um, Howie Long's character goes off a train as it's going over a big bridge, mm-hmm. and he falls forward, and he's like, you know, kicking – and screaming as he goes, and and again, it's a descender, and uh, just such a such a cool effect to see that. But I'm with you. There's there's no way. Yeah, that that's that's not a, that's not possible. I couldn't do it. It's been making the rounds on social media. Have you seen how they do the Luke flying out of the window in Bespin in Empire? No. The stunt performer was a gymnast. Okay. And he did three backflips, and then kind of. Reverse vaulted vaulted himself backwards and then flung his arms up to make it look like he was flying out of the window. No way. Yeah, I'll have to find it. Wait, so are you saying nothing under other than like his own propulsion? He is not being strong. He's nothing. That's oh, him flipping him assume, and then landing in a bag right outside, obviously. I assumed that was one of those got a harness and they've yep. got like four guys that all of a sudden pull a rope and you're hundred percent. But it's not. It's wow. just a dude backflipping out the fucking window. And that's so awesome. I love it. In this era of CGI, I almost miss like the art of practical effects. We're we're moving back into practical effects where CGI enhances, enhances them. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. Or like using them the right way. Like uh, this season of Picard would not be possible without CGI. Sure, sure. And it would also cost Eight billion dollars. <laughs> That's right. Spoiler: That's This right. season of Picard is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Oh. They uh, uh, they end up in a uh, in a nebula, so uh, you know, yeah. good stuff's okay. gonna happen. Gus uses Vulcan, the weather satellite. Speaking of Star Trek, yeah, to locate and analyze Krypton's debris. As one of the elements is kryptonite, uh, I'm sorry, as one of the elements of kryptonite is unknown, he substitutes tar. Tar? Hey, kids, don't smoke. Look what it did to Superman. Yeah, that this is the not so subtle uh, smoking is bad <laughs> message of this yeah, movie. That's right. That's it 100%. Is. No bueno. Lana, remember her? Oh, yeah. Uh, she convinces Superman to appear at Ricky's birthday party because the power of penises. Um, uh, the other way around. <laughs> The power of the power, power, power yeah. of boners. Yeah. I mean, okay, sure. All Clark, the why are your pants getting so tight? <laughs> They're super pants. All right, <laughs> but Smallville turns it into a town celebration. My favorite part of this, just showing the small townness of Smallville. They have the band there. It's yeah. obviously the, the the high school band. That's fine. They give the key to the city. Did you catch that the cake was mm-hmm. a cake you would serve at like? A small office retirement party. <laughs> no, I missed that. Like maybe ten people max at this oh, party, and it's for the entire fucking town of Smallville. I, I love the look on Ricky's face. He that kid is mortified and miserable. It is mm-hmm. just good. Um, but 
you know, I will point out this when we get to the end and we talk about Elseworlds, this is another bit that is entirely out of character or at least the established character of Superman in these films for him to go do this, do what, what? Uh, appear at the birthday party. What, what are your thoughts about that? Right? Like it's, he's appearing at the birthday party in his own hometown. Nobody but, knows it's his hometown. But, but isn't this him taking advantage of him as Superman because he's sweet on Lana? I mean, that's how I but, read it. He's done it in all the movies prior. He's like, you know, I'm friends with Superman and I can, you know, get him to do this. He can come to the Kryptonian fuck swing at the uh, <laughs> Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> I, I, oh, my I God. To, I, I forgot that that was a term we used. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, Props to my brother. That was my brother's. Um, Colin Ryan. Uh, find him on social media as. Role of Colin Ryan. Role of Colin Ryan. He, that's right. He coined fuck swing. Kryptonian fuck swing. <laughs> He's like, that's a Kryptonian fuck swing. <laughs> I forgot that that was a thing in our podcast. <laughs> there, yes, yeah, sadly, we will not see another Kryptonian fuck swing on this uh, on this podcast. We only get it once. Listen, uh, wait. Point of order, sir. It is entirely possible that James Gunn could bring back the Kryptonian fuck swing. We could see it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he would be the one to do it. He would be the one to do it. Yeah. 100%. That's not a negative. No. Snyder bros. Don't. It's don't. just a statement. That's all. Also, I am very upset that they are releasing uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, not the ultimate cut, and Zack Snyder's Justice League in movie theaters, and it's not coming anywhere near here. Oh, I did what's what's if we were to consider this how far would we be going i don't didn't know. even okay all right <laughs> i didn't even i looked at movie tavern i looked at regal and i'm like fuck you i'm not leaving my hometown yep. to go watch this movie that's fair as much as i want to see Zack snyder's justice league on the big screen yep are they yeah. now are they and again i think we talked about this when we did our two-parter for the justice league um for Zack Snyder's Justice for League. For Zack Snyder's Justice League. We pointed out that that is essentially the working cut. That would have been the working cut. We would not have expected that they would have released a four-hour movie. Are they that releasing? That is what they're going to release. Come on. Four-hour movie. Seriously? Yeah. I'm wondering if they're going to put an intermission in it. Though Avatar, it's almost four hours and there was no intermission. I, We're just getting to that point where movies are going to be fucking four hours long. Can I tell you, I have not seen Way of Water. I could not give a shit about Way of Water. I don't understand. Like, I'm never going to see it. Fine, it looks cool, but who gives a shit? I don't get it. I'm. Oh, I don't get it. James Cameron's attitude towards stuff just really upsets me. Yeah. So yeah, it's I. I couldn't find it anywhere near here, and I don't need to see Man of Steel again in the theater. I'm fine. Oh, you know, wait. Some, you know. Okay, I think we've just answered this question. You know why we can't see it? Why? If I'm looking at this correctly, Friday, April 28th, Man of Steel. Saturday, April Mm -hmm. 29th, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And then Sunday, April 30th, Zack Snyder's Justice League on IMAX at the Art Mm -hmm. Center College of Design in Pasadena, California, and Universal City Walk in Universal City, California, period, stop. So, yeah. So that's oh come on, let us see it over on this coast. Yep. Nope. Okay. So that's well. There you go. We're not seeing it. <laughs> they're now doing like what they did with the Harry Potter films. They're doing the Batman with a full piece orchestra. Sure. And the closest place it's coming is like Philly. I'm 
not, I'm not going nah. to fucking Philly nah. to see, see it, it with a full piece orchestra. Just bring it to New York. I'll drive sure. to New York. New York's to a see big that. enough venue. Sure. Michael Michael Giacchino, man. Yeah. Fucking modern day John Williams. I'll make it happen. Were you disappointed? Call back to the earlier Rube, you know, Goldberg sequence. I almost thought we weren't gonna get the the sequence because there's a different a different composer scores this movie, but they clearly yeah, licensed the John Williams score. The studio owns the song. Outright. Outright? You think they Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. They, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because they used it in uh Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Warner Brothers is gonna hold that shit. <laughs> um yeah, but in this movie, it feels like it's in like a slightly modified key. Yeah. So Ken Thorne is the yeah. was the man who composed the score. I almost, do you almost feel like he's like, well, I'm making this my own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We very rarely get the Superman theme. Yeah. Which is a crime against humanity. It's one of it's the best Superman themes the, ever written. It's yeah. Uh, so John Williams, what did I see at the Oscars? How many? Times has he been nominated for an Oscar? It was at 178. I don't know. <laughs> <It's>, no, <laughs> fucking... Could it have been like 80? That that feels too many. That that's way too many, right? Um, no. Hang on. I'm I, I gotta look. It, it was some ridiculously number. Um okay. It, I'm not that far off. He's been nominated for 53 Academy Awards. He won five. Not a good ratio of win to nomination, but it, and it's also what did he win for? Uh, Superman. Well, one moment, please. Uh, let's see. He wins for 1972, Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, right. He did the original music for Fiddler. 1976, Jaws, which two notes, but which Steven Spielberg has talked about like two notes. He's like, bum. Yep. Um, 76, he wins for Jaws. 78, he wins for Star Wars, where he was oh, right. competing against himself for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Superman, 79, nominated, doesn't win. Empire Strikes Back, nominated, doesn't win. Raiders of the Lost Ark, nominated, but doesn't win. What? Yeah. Bullshit. Right? Um, in 83, he wins for E.T. Oh, Yes. <laughs> and then he wins his last Oscar in 1994 for Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. Well. But he's nominated. You do, you like, do a Nazi movie, you're going to win an uh, yeah. Academy Award. He's nominated for all of the Star Wars films. and in a, All of them? Uh, even Force Awakens. Even Rise of Sky. Uh, I'm sorry. I meant the, I'm sorry, the sequels. I'm sorry. I meant the sequels. Uh, okay. Um, but then it, what I feel like is a beautiful full circle He's he was nominated in 2023 for the Fablemans, you know, right. Spielberg's thinly clad biopic of his family. Which I, still I still haven't seen. I need to see it. Same, same, same. But I, I love that. You know what a longtime contributor. Of course, that rises to the level of an Oscar nomination. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sorry, we geeked out a little no. bit over John Williams. Which actually, oh, I'm not apologizing. Any, Why would I do? Yeah, that? don't. Anytime we want to geek out about. Him that we could totally geek have, out about him. Have you seen the clip where there's this young musician? And I think young, like high school musicians, and they're playing well, with the Star Wars theme. I think the I think the older guy is his teacher. 
If you oh yes yes yes, and they're and they playing go by outside the side. his house, and he comes and John out, comes out and gives him like pointers, and he couldn't have been sweeter. I was like, oh my god, this guy is amazing, and he could have been like, hey, this is my house, not cool, yeah, yeah. and I would like he's totally justified in that reaction, but instead it's like, hey, uh, really good tone, you need to you know maybe work on this and this. I'm like, god, but he also John Williams, he also comes out with some excitement, right? Like you can see uh-huh. he's he's like energized by what the kid is doing, right? Like which is which is the way to do that. Like, oh, this is great. Hey, do this here and you know, think about this, yeah. but like you come out with that energy. Oh, that's I just love it. So I'm going to I'm dropping this link into our internal thing there when this episode comes out, we need to make sure folks have seen that because it's I mean, it's brilliant. Gus and Vera, disguised as army officers, uh, give Superman a flawed kryptonite as an award, but not shaped like anything. Yeah. It just looks like the chunk of kryptonite from Superman the movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Make it a fucking unicorn. Uh, Yes. This piece kind of rings hollow for me. Yeah. Shouldn't uh, uh, uh. Superman have recognized that that didn't look good? No bueno. Like, like, know. like when they try and hand it to him, he should have like had some hesitation. Something. Agree. Agree. So let's talk kryptonite. Okay. Yes. Technically, this kryptonite is a mixture of red kryptonite and black kryptonite. Ooh. So red does the mutation. Right? No, red nope. red makes him forget his uh uh make it makes him lose his uh inhibitions. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, it's and party Superman? Get, okay. Yeah. Yeah, which is why he's like down to fuck uh he's DTF. One of he is DTF in the next scene. Um I just want to get the exact wording a Kryptonian fuck swing. He certainly does. <laughs> oh, and black kryptonite can split him into two different Version oh, okay. of himself. Got it. Got it. Okay. Which is where I believe where we get the red and blue Superman from the 90s. Yeah. But, you know, I remember a comic in either the late 70s or early 80s, which will be under the, you know, before there was a term for it, the Elseworlds banner that did the exact same thing where Superman splits himself. It had to influence the, the red and blue from the 90s, right? It had to. Uh, yeah. Else. Uh, a nation divided. Ugh. Oh no! There was a '70s era. Let's see. I'm looking. This is 1999. So that's the red and blue, right? Which was no, no. This is not the red and blue. This is uh, Superman. Extra synopsis is uh, of this issue has not been um, <laughs> issued. Well, mm-hmm. okay, but the cover is him holding up a cannon, and it looks like he is. In between uh, the Confederate and Union soldiers. Oh. Uh, I don't see anything else where he would have been split. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, If I find it before we drop this episode, I'll... I'll, uh, you know, we'll make sure that we we tweet it or. Well, Instagram. if this was 70s, it wouldn't have been Elseworld. Elseworld wasn't formed till Gotham by Gaslight. You, Gotham by Gaslight was the first official Elseworld story. Yes. However, there was a tradition of, quote, imaginary stories long before Elseworld. Sure. Elseworld uh, was when they named it, right? Right. And like they did it in the 80s with Armageddon, where they were trying to find the Anti Monitor and he went to every. 
the monitor went to every um, superhero and like change their their destiny and to see if they're the one that becomes the anti monitor. So. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's definitely... We are getting into the weeds of yeah. DC when we start talking about the monitor and the anti-monitor. Yes. Uh, oh, did I find it pre... Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, uh, again, either Colin or someone uh, can someone absolutely Someone will be able to tell us. us. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, although it has no immediate effect, Superman becomes selfish. The slow change in the color of the costume... Yeah. I never noticed until this watch. I knew it turned dark, but I thought it just turned dark. Um, weirdly, his evil Superman colors are the exact same color scheme for the Brandon Routh Superman Returns. <laughs> it's the same the maroon. Muted, just, yeah, the muted. Yeah. Not even muted, like maroon with like a more of a royal blue instead of the light blue and more of a like a not not like a bright yellow. Like the first picture I saw of Brandon Routh as Superman, yeah, I'm like, why has he got the evil Superman colors? What the fuck are they doing? Yeah, and and, (laughs) if if only that was the only problem with that movie. Yeah, if only. Uh, And at the same time, we're getting that kind of costume change. You also again pair it with this brilliant physical acting. Watching Reeves work there. I mean, the costume change is icing on the cake. For me, the dessert is what Reeves is doing as an actor there. Not only Reeves, but what Annette O'Toole is doing in the scene where he's like... It's unusual finding a good-looking girl like you alone like this. And there's that, like, beat and a half of silence before she's like... Listen, um... Are you sure you shouldn't do something about the bridge? What bridge? Like, letting that moment happen in a movie is not something that would happen today. Yep, agree. It was so good that that like second and a half of silence before she's like, I'm not going to fuck you. I just I need you to know that right now. My son is asleep upstairs. This is not the time for bone tone, uh, bone zoning. Okay, so sorry. I'm sorry. Cause you know it's I, Did you find it? I did. So red versus blue, Superman 162. It's older than I thought it was. It's from 1963. And it's an it and there's you you've got a version of of Superman with an all blue costume, including the blue cape, and then you've got a version of Superman red, all red, including the the red bodysuit. So mm-hmm. in that is one hundred percent what I was thinking of. So yep, pre nineties, this has been done before. Well, I guess I did it on Justice League too. I'm seeing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, I, I, I no, knew it no. existed. I knew it existed. I had to find and it. And as soon as you said red versus blue, I'm like, oh, I remember seeing that. This is, it was right around the same time that Batman had a uh, rainbow costume for one issue. <laughs> it was like, 60s were fucking wild. 60s man. were wild, man. Yep. They couldn't do that today without some stupid right winger being like, Batman's oh, LGBTQ. He's woke. He's a groomer, pedo. Yeah. All the bullshit. I yep. mean, well. <laughs> The grooming part, maybe not for sexual, but that's a bit of a groomer. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's be really clear for our listeners. You're talking about the a Batman. We're, we're not talking about broader implications for the LGBTQ community. I, oh, my God. No. no, no, no when no. you said, Good well, Lord. I was like, wait, where are you going? Sorry. Yes. Right. Batman is problematic for his treatment of his, quote, 
wards. Agree. 100%. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, I have absolutely nothing against the LGBTQ. No, of course. No, of course. Of course. I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> Got it. You, you were like, talking about Batman, the fictional character. The fictional character. I was just simply making a joke. Yes. 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 Sorry. I, so sorry. I would so feel sorry. more safe with my child at a drag show than yes. uh, anything that's Republican led. Agree. Uh, people at drag shows never killed children in schools okay no, that's a good point yeah 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 funny how that works okay so the costume thing i never pay attention to and after he doesn't save the truck he flies off and this is perfectly put he commits petty acts of vandalism it's so <laughs> he I'm sure like, does what, what are we doing here and not even for a good reason yeah straighten the leaning tower of pisa he's he's being a dick yeah uh and, and then uh blowing how about poor mario that hapless vendor, you yeah. know, his Smashing plumbing it. business hadn't taken off yet. Oh, he, you know, he's, uh, Hey, I'm a Krista Pratt. I just uh, <sighs> want to sell my statues. Sorry. Was, I don't so know apparently a bunch from. of people got paid off. Cause now, now the internet's like, no, his voice is really good. I'm like, shut up. Oh Lord. No. no. Uh, all right. Sure. You're the same people who say that the Phantom Menace is a good prequel. Um, Sorry, I just threw up a little bit in my mouth there. Yeah. Okay. He straightens the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which just on a fundamental level is impossible. We can't move it. It actually one day will just fall over. <laughs> it's like you can't even go to the top of it anymore. No. You used to be able to, but it's it's slowly – what is it like? It's like a quarter of an inch every five years or something that it's moving. Something crazy – something like – Crazy small amount, but also like a dangerous amount when it's a fucking building. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Now they have reduced the angle. So by 1990, the tilt had reached 5.5 degrees, which okay. is okay. not crazy, but it's 183 feet tall. So 5.5, right? So you have a lever, right? At the, the bottom, yeah. yeah. It, it's fine. Once yeah. you get to that top tower, you're like, I'm going to die. But they did remedial work between 93 and 2001 that reduced the tilt from 5.5 degrees to 3.97 degrees. So they reduced oh, it. But so maybe that's what I'm getting, the, the inch and, and, oh, no, degrees, not inches. Degrees. Degrees. Degrees, degrees. yeah. Degrees, yeah, degrees, yeah. yeah. And it, but again, four degrees times 183 feet is, you know, a significant nope. displacement. Yep. Nope. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm going to look at it from the ground. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do the thing where you pretend like you're holding it up. I'll take that picture Have all day. Have you seen videos of the, and it's not like one, I think it's a thing now, people going around and high-fiving people that are doing the poses? No. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'm sure you've seen the guy who, who sits down on the ground to make it look like the Leaning Tower piece is, is his uh, erect penis. I haven't seen that one, but I oh, could yeah, he's my hero. Here. Yeah. Because <laughs> he looked at me and went, no, not the Washington Monument. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. This. This one. That's right. <laughs> the Washington Monument is just too easy. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, ending his uh, reign of terror... By blowing out the Olympic flame. And my favorite thing about this is that the runner's just like, I guess I'll go home. I'll just leave. Okay. <laughs> but bye. Uh, now, <laughs> Gus asks Webster to build the world's most sophisticated supercomputer. So at the beginning of the scene, she's reading, uh, Lorelai is reading Kant. Oh, okay. And like she gives that whole. The famous moral philosopher, Kant. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember the book that she's reading, but I remember seeing Kant. Okay. And she's like... How can he say that pure categories have no objective meaning and transcendental logic? What about synthetic unity? I just wish this wasn't there. We've gotten enough clues that Lorelai is putting on an act mm-hmm. leading up to this moment. Yeah. We didn't need this. I guess maybe this is here for the kids that are... This movie is really actually... Uh, Aim towards mostly, but like, like I got it before this. Yeah. Even as a kid, I got it. But, uh, so oh, I, Lorelai's faking. I will admit I missed that, but she is reading Kant's critique of pure reason. That is not like, you know, it's not Danielle Steele, right? Yeah. And what she, I can't remember what she says. It's super deep and philosophical and like questioning the absolutes that Kant puts in that book. And you're just like, oh, okay. Um, huh. You're super smart. Got it. Yeah. Good. Got it. Um, and when Gus asks this, the CEO agrees. If Gus creates an energy crisis by directing all oil tankers to the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Bum, bum, bum. When the captain of one tanker insists on maintaining his original course, Lorelei seduces Superman, mm. persuading him to waylay the tanker and breach its double hull, causing an oil spill. The villains decamp to the supercomputer's location in Glen Canyon, which is a real place in Utah. Yeah. Um, one thing I just want to say, I forgot to put that I wanted to put a note. Uh, I yeah. love that the one ship that's not going is a British ship <laughs> with the most American captain of all time. I'm not taking my ship there just to await further orders, no matter what that damn machine says. We're supposed to go to Metropolis, and we're going to Metropolis. That's totally true. What the f- <laughs> You're not wrong. You couldn't you couldn't lilt that up a little actor and make it sound like you're British. Like, no need. No, you're like no God need. damn it, yeah. I'm John Wayne and <laughs> I'm a, I'm a British naval officer. Well, we just want that oil here <laughs> in the United States. To, sorry, Nancy. Looks like I forgot to duck. Nancy and I are very excited. Yeah. Oh my god. No, I'm not even going down that rabbit hole. Okay, never yep, keep going. All right. The, the About, balloon? No, the uh, the lieutenant governor of Texas has said, oh, yeah, we told Iran to hold on to the hostages longer. Don't release them until after the election to make Reagan look good. I, he I, said the quiet part out loud. He said, yeah, I'm that has caused me to rethink my view of Ronald Reagan. Clearly, he's a villain for his role in the AIDS crisis and the war on drugs and the war on drugs. Agree 100 um, percent. I think we can say. Not a great dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not Sorry. a great dude. Yep. Yep. Trickle-down economics has done dick for us. <laughs> yep. Yep. Agree. It's only made the rich richer. Agree. Sorry. Did not mean to go political, but you said that. Sorry. Because we never go political. Because I did that. Yeah, I know. Right, right, right. We, <laughs> talking about the uh, soon-to-be uh, indicted pr- uh, ex-president. Uh, oh, yeah. No, wait. it's fine. Can't wait. Please continue, sir. Here's the thing. Yes, it seems like we we tend to take pot shots at the Republicans, A, because it's easier, but B, if a, if a Democrat did anything remotely stupid as Jewish space lasers, we'd be all over that, too. Well, you know, I was a, I mean, I'll, I was a registered Republican for many, many years yeah. when there was a good faith basis for the belief in small government. Small I, government and the government staying out of it, yeah yeah the way now they are the ones that try and get involved the, in everything. The we Republican do. Party, with the exception of people like Liz Cheney, who I would not have voted for, who who you know were too conservative for my values, anyways. But mm-hmm. her, Adam Kinzinger, with the exception of those few people who have been <laughs> like kicked out of the Republican Party, the mass of our 
Republican elected representatives seem to be fine with fascism, and that's a problem for me. Sorry, feel free to cut that. I don't, no, yeah, no, I'm not no. cutting it. I'm oh. going to add to it and bootlicking the wannabe fascist who was uh, oh. in charge uh, and created a lot of the problems that they're trying to put on Joe Biden right yeah. now. Now, Joe Biden, not my favorite president. But of the choices we had, the best choice we had. And I was. Best cho- yeah. Here, here's yeah. our segue back to superheroes. If you didn't think that superheroes were talking against fascism, homophobia, racism, prejudice, then you weren't paying attention. Yep. Right? So Same thing with Star Trek. This this whole thing that New Trek is way too woke. I'm like, were you not watching the original series? That's right. There's literally an episode where Frank Gorshin has a white face on one side and a black face on the other, and his mortal enemy has a, a the opposite colors, Yep. and the only reason that they're enemies is because their colors are on the opposite side. It could not be more beat you over the head. Racism is bad. Agree. Agree. Star Trek has also had its problematic episodes. Season one of Next Generation, there was literally an episode that was a race of only people of color, and they kidnapped Tasha Yar because he wanted to be the queen, and then Tasha and the rightful queen uh, had to duel it out in almost like a chain-together scenario. Cat fight, yeah. Listen, it's not perfect, but... If you oh, don't, no, 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 no. It is the entire cast has come out and be like, it was the most fucking embarrassing thing we did. Sure. And we did Sup Rosa, where Gates McFadden fucks a candle. Yeah, good Lord. Well, listen, <laughs> it, you know, you know, everyone makes mistakes. But if you didn't get that this whole genre is anti-fascist, then you're missing out. You missed it. It's almost the cop cars that you see that have the Punisher logo on them. And you're that- like... The Punisher would hate you. (laughs) There's literally a Punisher episode in which he chastises, you know, as opposed to killing these cops. And he says, no, 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 you don't kill. That's not your job. I am not you. You're not Mm -hmm. supposed to be me. There's a reason I don't carry a badge. Exactly. So uh, that one I am going to, I will find that image and I'll drop that into our links. So when this episode comes out. We're definitely sharing that one. And to the point in real life, the creator of the Punisher went back and redesigned the Punisher logo. So the the ones that the cops are using is not the official Punisher logo yep. anymore. He's like, no, motherfuckers, you're not paying attention. Yep. Uh, so we'll get really specific. In Punisher episode 13, which came out in July of 2019. Perfect pun- time for it. There's a, there's a perfect, perfect, perfect... Uh, bit that talks about like I'm so here's from literally from the comic this is Frank Castle the Punisher talking to these cops who think that they are you know like that he would support them he says I'll say this once we're not the same you took an oath to uphold the law you help people I gave all that up a long time ago you don't do what I do nobody does you boys need a role model his name is Captain America and he'd be happy to have you and I'll say this that is not an insult when he's saying that. He is genuinely telling them, you're supposed to align with Cap, not me. Frank had, uh, the, the, there was a fight once where he he accidentally shot Captain America, right? The, and like. The, there's was, an episode where, there's a, there's a comic where he will not fight Cap. Like Cap right. beats him down and he will not raise a hand. And somebody, one of the other heroes says, 
he can't like it. it I think it, it might be Spidey. I think I think you're exactly right. I think it's Spidey. He says no. He he can't like it's yeah. you know he's not built that way. So yeah. All right. None of this is getting cut, even though we went into a Marvel rant. But um, it's all good. Back to this movie. Sure. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> Superman after uh, getting drunk at a bar. Yep. Oh, you know we I, I meant to mention um. If Webster is supposed to be like this Lex Luthor stand-in millionaire, possibly billionaire, yep. Why is he drinking Johnny Walker Red, the cheapest Johnny Walker? Uh, wait. Webster was drinking Johnny Walker Red when when the when the uh, bar comes out, the back of the bar, the top shelf of the bar, I believe, either top or second to the top. Is all Johnny Walker red? I'm like, time out. Well, Even I know that's like no, the cheap shit. No, no, no. Well, oh wait, okay. black is the cheapest. No, 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 no. No, red is the is the less is the least expensive. But let's be really clear. As someone who drank Johnny Walker red for years and years, Johnny Walker is not a cheap scotch. There no, are no, but it's but he but, would have blue. He would have Well, I don't think blue existed in the 80s. I could be wrong on that. He probably would he would have had black over red or or green? Nope, didn't or, exist in the 80s. Didn't exist. It was uh, just red and black. I believe so. I could be totally wrong. But when I when someone bought me Johnny Walker black, I was thrilled because that was the up step. But Johnny Walker red is a good scotch. But that's interestingly, I didn't catch that. That is the scotch that Superman is drinking after he splits when he's sure. in the bar. No, no. A... Well, he hasn't split yet, but yeah, yeah, that's what he's drinking. Oh, I didn't and, even uh, notice that. So there's two moments from this era of superhero movies that um, the CW has um, aped. Uh, there was an, I think maybe Red Kryptonite might have been involved, but Kara mm-hmm. um, on the show turns evil and she does the peanut flicking thing right like. Shot for shot, the same idea. Glaring in and, the mirror. In the mirror. Yep. Yep. And then uh, the villain on, and by the time this comes out, if you are not caught up on the season of The Flash, you're not going to be. So the villain <laughs> this <not>. season <laughs> is Red Death, who is Batman from the future, who goes insane and uh, straps Barry to the front of the Batmobile. So he taps into the speed force <laughs> and becomes one with Barry. I Kind of interested in this story. Yeah, a speedster <laughs> who kills. Yeah. And in the TV series, it is... Oops, that's a spoiler. Uh, after uh, that, uh, we get Ricky being like, Superman, I'm a piece of shit kid in this movie. Superman. Oh, Hold on to that thought, because it's going to happen in the next movie, too. Sure. Um, suffers a nervous breakdown and splits into two be- beings. And all I have to say is, this is where shit gets weird. Yeah. Yes, yes. The immoral, corrupt, dark Superman, and the moral, mild-mannered Clark Kent. Uh, spoiler for the end of the, our episode, evil Superman is the best part. Yeah, yeah this 100%. is the best scene. Yep, okay. This yeah, is the, yeah, we'll call it. Yep. This is, yeah, there's no there's no two ways. If you choose any other scene in this movie, you weren't paying attention to this scene. Agree. Yeah. You weren't watching the movie. Agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> and speaking of, uh, the two fight in the junkyard, and I said, Clark does a prototype... Cap. I can give as good as I get. <laughs> Very I much feels like yeah, sure. I can do this all day. Yep. And then Evil Soup does a proto, let's get nuts. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus, Christopher. Yeah. Dial it back, uh, man. 
Clark eventually defeating his evil self by choking him to death. He, so has he, does the evil part of his persona, which was clearly there, mm-hmm. is that gone? Is he only pure now or has he conquered it and it's not dead, but he is un, he has it under complete control? So we don't actually see it die. We just see it disappear. choking out and then it disappears yep. in a not great, but decent uh, mat over. Like you can kind of see yeah. where the arms are matching up to each one. Mm-hmm. Um, man, let, I, I think so. Yeah, but so well, oh, I, I'm sorry. You, I asked a I asked a a two question. You said you think so. Has he destroyed it? He's only <clears> pure, or he has conquered it and it exists, but he is in complete control. The latter. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Todd, you're in insurance. Sure, I am. And especially you have spent some time in risk management. Oh, so excited because you know how exciting insurance is. I'm so happy when this comes into play. But you've you've done risk assessment, right? Uh, I, I can speak that language, yep. Um, how big of an OSHA violation is it to have a fucking swimming pool full of acid? It's generally discouraged. <laughs> With no railing. There's no safety railing. We would not want that risk. <laughs> that was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Good for the movies, <clears throat> bad for uh, your insurance premium cost. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so anything else you want to point out in this fight? Because this is a pretty great fight. It's a great fight. I mean, it's the, what's the real climax of the movie? Is it this fight or is it the fight against the... You know, the the gang in the canyon. Man, this feels like the climax. And then everything after this is almost like a really extended epilogue. Yeah. Almost like Wormtongue goes back to the Shire, but the stakes aren't. Like, the the big Mm -hmm. thing was Superman had, like, the good side had to win. Once he did that, the rest of it was just housekeeping. I can can live with that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it doesn't affect the movie for me at all. Like, Mm -hmm. it just kind of, like... With him opening up the shirt and you see the Superman symbol and him flying off, you're like, and movie. Oh, we know. <laughs> oh, there's like another half an hour of this son of a bitch. That's right. Regaining his sanity, Superman repairs the damage caused by the oil spill. Nice little touch. If you caught, he blows all the oil back into the tanker off the water. Not really how that would work. Sure. However, when he's sealing it up, did you notice that Chris was... Miming, still using a super breath. I missed that. No. It's going to be the dumbest bit of acting you do, right? Like pantomime blowing super breath. But also, like, shows that Chris Reeve is like, well, wouldn't they all just come back out? (laughs) Should I keep blowing? I feel like that was Chris Reeve's, uh, one of his uh, ads to the the script. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, He heads west to deal with the villains. Uh, After defending himself from the exploding rockets... Suddenly, we are in a side-scroll video game that then becomes I, a first-person shooter. I don't know how. I don't know. You know, the... Hmm, it's so weird. That graphic we get is better than the Atari we had in 83. That sure. was like an Intellivision, right? Like, the Intellivision mm-hmm. was a better system. It had better graphics. But that's 100% the quality of video games we had at the time. So it felt but very I gotta, authentic. Yeah, I, I gotta, and I got to say, as a kid, I was like, these graphics are great. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so good. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm just like, oh, boy. Yep. 
Uh, so during this, did you catch after um, Vera boots up the MX rocket and it goes to launch out and it goes back to shooting out the uh, surface to air missiles? One of them doesn't fire. <gasps> no. <laughs> and they're just like fuck it. We can't. Oh, we can't do this fuck. again because miniatures. Oh, sure. So it's like we don't have time. Just let one of the rockets not fire. Oh Lord. There's a bit before they get down into the canyon as Lorelai and Webster and Vera are getting mm-hmm. they're they're getting ready to get into the balloon contraptions to go down. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, Gus is like, I'm taking my burrow. I just don't believe a man can fly. Brilliant. And I'm wondering if that was an ad lib. It, it doesn't feel forced. Uh, I can't imagine. It's too good. It couldn't have been an ad lib. It could not have been. No, Pryor's, Pryor's good, quick but that's feet. so specific. That had to have been written. That's it had to have been. We'll never know. We'll never know. Because he's dead. He's dead. He's dead, Casey. Great. Thanks. Is it, didn't Robert Vaughn just die? Uh, I'm sure he is. Robert Vaughn, uh, he died seven years ago. Holy 2016, shit. yeah. Rest in peace. The man from Uncle. Yeah. Yep. Which I watched. I finally watched the movie. Oh really? Yeah, it's it was good. It's it's a fun movie, right? It's a it's a fun movie. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, would you like to make a guess at how many acting credits Robert Vaughn had? Hundred and seventy-eight. Two hundred and thirty. Good for him. And let's and because I'm so curious, his first acting credit on IMDb goes back to one moment. It is. Oh, we're really scrolling here. Oh my lord! Oh, we haven't gone this far back in a while. His first acting credit is one episode of a TV show called Medic, in which he played Doctor Charles A. Leal in 1955. Wow! 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 <laughs> oh my god! Good for him. Yeah. Holy shit! Uh, so they fire the the ASALM missile, whatever that means. Uh, that was a real miss. Uh, that was a real missile. I looked that up. That I was suspicious, but that was a real missile, and it was in service at this time. So that's entirely correct. But what do you, do you have any idea what ASALM stands for? I looked it up, and it was like a. It's an anti. Um, hold on. I looked it up, and it was exactly what I would have expected. It. Uh, advanced strategic air launch. Air launched missile, meaning it would have been fired from another aircraft, not from the ground. So, no. yeah, and it, um, and sh- also this Wikipedia entry is wrong because it's advanced strategic air launch missile, missile is what it says here. Yeah. So that's ATM machine. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's ATM, yeah. ATM machine. A, yep. Or your ATM pin machine. or your pin number. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Got Enter it. your pin number. Yep. Enter my personal identification number. Number. Okay. Yeah. Um, Superman confronts Webster, Vera, and Lorelai. Oh, poor Lorelai. Hi, honey. I don't know you, lady. But the other night... You put it in my ass. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that wasn't me. That guy's gone. The bubble trap that Superman Ooh. gets caught in, there's a real-life like precedent for that. So there was this thing in the 70s called super elastic bubble plastic. It was a there's a thing in the '90s called super elastic bubble plastic. Yeah. It stuck around. <laughs> it for stuck a, around right longer than it should have. Yeah, made by the phenomenal toy company Whammo. Uh, right from the Wikipedia, it consisted of a tube of viscous 
plastic substance and a thin straw used to blow semi-solid bubbles. A pea-sized amount of liquid plastic was squeezed from the tube, made into a ball. One end of the straw was then inserted into the ball, and the user would blow into the other end, inflating the plastic into a bubble. The bubble could then be removed from the straw by pinching the hole closed, sealing the air inside. I I saw that. I'm like, oh, I 100% remember those. Never had Mm -hmm. them. 100% remember those. (laughs) I was a 90s kid. We had all the dangerous things. Sure. That's right. That's right. It'll cause cancer. It's fine. Do not taunt Happy Fun Ball. The supercomputer identifies Superman's weakness and unleashes a pure beam of kryptonite. Guilt-ridden and horrified by the notion of, quote, going down in history as the man who killed Superman, end quote, Gus destroys the kryptonite ray with a firefighter's axe. Superman escapes, but the computer becomes self-aware. Now, my note is, hey, Skynet, is that you? Yeah. The Terminator will come out one year later in 1984. Do you think James Cameron, like, while writing The Terminator, took a break, went to go see this movie, and was just like, fuck, you kidding me? He put down Harlan Ellison's book, he stopped copying it over. And then, Oof. yes, went and saw this and said, motherfucker. Yeah. They kept the beat me to my plagiarism. <laughs> does it become self-aware? Yes, I would say it does. Uh, I guess because it, 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 thr- it fights to survive. It fights so, yeah, to, yeah. It's, this is the vestige of this was going to be Brainiac, right? Like, the original script for Superman 3 was Lex Luthor bege- makes Brainiac accidentally which is skynet right like now brainiac is an alien intelligence right like from another kryptonian alien oh that's right oh that's right but if you drew it back to earth that would make perfect sense right like it's entirely plausible in terms of the 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 lore and in the comics on the on the justice league animated series brainiac and luther teamed up a bunch like it made sense Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And I understand they couldn't get Gene Hackman back, so they did this. And they're just like, well, we're going to make a supercomputer and just not call it Brainiac. And they're like, well, sure. (laughs) Now, the computer becomes self-aware, and it defends itself against Gus's attempt to disable it. The computer transforms Vera into a cyborg. Definitely not Brainiac. (laughs) Definitely not. 100% clear she is not Brainiac. Not Brainiac. Uh, Now, that attacks her... uh, Transforms Vera into a cyborg that attacks her brother and Lorelai with beams of energy that immobilize them. Superman returns with Beltric acid. So this was your Superman running away? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. where he runs away. Yeah, yeah. And it is kind of like a, oh shit, I'm out look. And Lorelai's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean... That's the I subtext. licked your balls. <laughs> I licked your ball. I did. Oh, okay. Knocked it out. Horrible, unspeakable things. That's right. That's right. Um, but also, like, as a kid, I was like, oh, he's just been hit with a bunch of kryptonite. He's just going to recharge. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense. I knew Superman was coming back, even when I watched this as a kid. I have this very clear memory of, like, he's going to be back. He's just recharging. Of course he's coming back. Sure. Superman returns with Beltric Acid, which the super, mm-hmm. supercomputers believes is not dangerous. Which the supercomputer is a giant idiot. It's, it's still fucking acid. It's a big dum-dum. The, it's acid. <laughs> well, yeah, but this particular acid we learned earlier is even is more dangerous. Harmless. Yeah, when you superheat it. I love the scientists being like, it's just normal acid. And I wanted Superman to be like, 
Say that again, but slower. <laughs> Still fucking acid. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, we acids are everywhere. You know, vinegar is an acid, right? Like it's it's all about content. Then he should have said that. Like it's a, it's a normal acid, no more harmful than than vinegar. Like. Or sure. that, like just the way he put it, it's like, yeah, it's like battery acid. And you're like, well, well wait yeah. a minute, hang on. Battery acids, this I don't is, want that on my skin. This is the science, science, science of Star Trek, right? Like they're just writing shit to make up. How fucking dare you? No, it's exactly the same thing. There's no science behind this. It's all made up. Now, the intense heat emitted by the supercomputer causes the acid to become volatile, destroying it. Not only destroying it, but it jams it. There's only one man who would dare give me the raspberry lone star superman leaves webster and his cronies for the authorities but thanks gus for saving his life the pair fly off to a coal mine where superman transforms coal into a diamond for lana gus declines to return to metropolis deciding to make a fresh start in west virginia and all i'll say is i like gus's arc in this movie. Yep. He's not a bad guy. Say, does your boss have a computer in this operation? Yeah, he, he got a little bitty one about that big. Well, you tell him he could do a lot worse than to give Gus Gorman here a job. Wrong place, wrong time. Got Yeah. Tough that, situations. I think, I, yeah. And it shows that Superman sees that. Like, when, when he enters the scene in the cave, he's like, I'm going to take all four of you down. And Gus mm-hmm. is like, whoa, hey. But, like, through the events that happen, he sees, oh... You through, really just got caught Gus up in something. acting to help him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep, agree. Agree. Okay, so to end this thing, yeah. uh, as Clark, Superman visits Lana after she moves to Metropolis, and drunken Brad, fucking Brad. Look, get a restraining order on Brad at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Brad, you followed me to Metropolis? Well, you're going to be hearing from a lawyer, and it's not going to be good news. <laughs> sadly, this is an era where that's just love. That's just Ugh. love. He just really loves her. Yeah. God. Slash S sarcasm. So fucking problematic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so Clark believes he, he was proposing because when he was in West Virginia, we find out early in the film that Lana had to hawk her uh, engagement ring yep. to pay for heat. So he feels bad. So he makes a fucking ginormous diamond out of it. Also, that's not how diamonds are made. Um <clears throat> well, heat and pressure. Heat and pressure. Yeah, he but would not. He he should have been using his. Um, sh- those two pressure are, alone well, is not going to create the diamond. Boyle's law: as pressure increases, temperature increases. So, what they're describing is what they're describing is Boyle's law, I believe. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Your Boyle's law. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> so he believes Clark is proposing. Can't I hate you? I've always hated you. You know why? No. Because you're nice. I'm not really. They're nice guys. Finish. <laughs> the defeats him without revealing his secret identity. Kind of fun that he pops up the, the fold-out bed to set it up. And the look that all three of them have when Brad's leaving on the elevator is just, it's really funny. He's like, what the fuck just happened? I feel like he put a little English on that, right? Like, he definitely assisted the uh, the Sure, the same cot, thing yeah. like with the uh, bowling ball. Sure, 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 sure. Yep, 100%. <laughs> so, uh, Lana's new job as Perry White's secretary surprises Lois Lane. Oh, Lois is in this film? Oh, who knew? Uh, who returns from vacation with an article about corruption in Bermuda. 
and has a newfound respect for Clark after reading his story. Before lunch with Lana, Superman restores the Leaning Tower of Pisa and flies, with stock footage from the first film, (laughs) into the sunrise for further adventures. And that is Movie. Movie. Hey, Casey, that was a movie. That was a movie. And as always, we got some questions. We sure do. And I'm pretty sure I know what the first one is. Hold on. The, your your answer. Before we get there, oh, oh, oh. we put a pin in Elseworlds. Oh, comic book. Yes. Yeah. So this is where I feel like some people don't realize how true this story is. I view this as an Elseworlds story and so we already talked about you know we figured it out while we were recording the 1963 superman red superman blue right tale of two supermans um this is very much in the theme of these imaginary stories that and, and i really actually liked this about dc i probably had a better knowledge of the imaginary stories than i did like the the golden age chronology mm-hmm. um but this is a you already you already pointed out the first Elseworlds story was Gotham by Gaslight in '89, mm. but that was just when they put a name on it. They were doing well. This. Actually, it was originally released without the Elseworld title to it, and then they started Elseworld. And all like my copy of it doesn't say Elseworld. It's not the first one with the logo. It is the first one where they 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 use the term Elseworlds. It, it, yeah, in, yeah. In in the opening, yeah, it doesn't have the Elseworlds star. Yeah, on the it, logo they, they, would show up a couple of years later. <clears throat> later, yeah. Yeah, in the reissue. Yeah, but I, I really feel like there's a as silly as this movie seems on its surface. I feel like there's a real authentic tradition to the Superman lore with exploring some of these. I mean, we I've said this many times in the comic, I or in the podcast. I love Marvel's What If series, mm-hmm. and it's the exact same thing. Elseworlds is the same as What If. What if this happened? What mm-hmm. would that story look like? It's the same thing. I love it. And this movie probably is lumped. I mean, that five out of ten makes no sense. This is a far better movie than that, and yeah. it's got better credentials for the lore than I'll bet most people realize. What are, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I view all DC movies as Elseworld movies. Oh, okay. Okay. We've talked about this, that it's like justice league animated Batman could hang out with Robert Pattinson's the Batman, which apparently is not that, but um, we may get some live action Spider-Man sequences in across the Spider-Verse. Okay. I did not know that, but the rumor is it's going to be, uh, Toby, Andrew, and Tom. New footage that we haven't seen before, like that they're filming, and Marvel is allowing them. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. So it's I'm Sony. sorry. I'm it's sorry. Sony. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. We we're thinking. I was thinking. <clears throat> I had my head set on Elseworlds. Sorry. 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 Still. Yeah. Still. That would be. Oh my God. That would be I amazing. Would, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Th- then that tells us that everything in Sony, including. You know, including both animated movies, or I guess all three, if they're split into two, those are all, it's all the multiverse. It's all canon. Yeah. That, I mean, that's where they're going. But like, I, I view it like 
Keaton's first two movies yep. are their own universe, even though technically the next two are supposed to be the same universe. I think it's the universe over in the Elseworld, in the infinite Earth like that DC one and one A, right? Like just yeah, the barest like divergence. Same, same stories happen, sure. but with like in the and then maybe even George Clooney's a different universe, but same story arc, but just little goofier. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I totally see this as an, an Elseworld story, and it does do. This is what oh, this is what they should have done with Henry Cavill. Mm, yeah. This kind of Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic for the future of DC films because of James Gunn. Yeah. I wish we. I wish James Gunn didn't inherit what he inherited, stepping into the. Into the lead role. You well, know? we we know who to blame. Because <laughs> more and more bullshit comes out every day. Is that Kevin Hamada? No. No, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh. Oh, Refused shit. Refused for Shazam to appear in Black Adam. Refused to do a cameo in Fury of the Gods. Hey, the Rock, look up the fucking history. That's your nemesis. Yeah. Yeah, that's it would Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm a I have been a Dwayne Johnson fan. I'm disappointed with I'm his and I'm very disappointed. I think it was at the Oscars. Someone asked him about it, and now he's doing the PR spin. Like, you know, it didn't come out the way I wanted. I'm like, motherfucker, you unfollowed everybody. Yep. And you you lied about box office numbers. You are the only one to blame. You sabotaged this shit without knowing you were sabotaging it. Yep. Or knew that you were sabotaging it. Yeah. Agree. All mm-hmm. right. Okay. All right. Well, so. well I, you know, I feel like we we talked a lot about that during the episode, but I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure we came back to that concept because I do think it's important. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a very through and through comic book movie yes. for sure. Yep. And would would I would you know they've done Batman sixty six as a comic series. I I'm wondering if it's a licensing rights thing that the the whoever is in charge of the Christopher Reeve uh, legacy mm-hmm. is not letting it happen. But I or do the, are they doing Superman seventy seven? I thought they maybe they are. And like continuing stories of this Superman would be really cool in comic book form. Obviously, so that was. Um... No, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. It'll be interesting. You know, if listeners let us know if we're missing something, including Colin. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Colin okay. will be the first one to tell us. Yeah, he sure will. <laughs> he sure will. So, Todd, since we uh, always have questions here at the end, I will start always. with Todd. Who's your favorite character? I mean, it's still, you know, Christopher Reeves and Superman. Superman. It's Superman. Yeah. 100%. It's the title character. There's yeah. there's no way for it not to be. No way. Uh <clears throat> For a formality, else we've already answered this, but the best scene is, of course, the, the junkyard, junkyard fight. Yeah, okay. Yeah. From him landing and letting out a scream, not as good as the scream in Superman the movie, but still, like, Pretty the reaction good. of everyone in the junkyard was exactly what you should do. Oh, that's Superman, and he's screaming like a madman. I'm going to run. I'm going And on then break. wipe my ass yeah. because I just shit that's my right. pants. That's right. That's right. That's right. Full evacuation. Yep. Uh, what is, uh, what is one scene you would cut? Uh, you know, I wasn't aware of it until you pointed it out while we were talking, but I 
but I kind of agree with you. Who's the kid? Ricky? Yeah, Ricky. I mean, Fuck Ricky. Get him out of here. Even, I mean, I'll go even farther. Even Lana in Smallville doesn't serve. Oh, you don't remember. She's she's a part of Superman 4. Well, I'm sorry. This is Superman 3. I know, what, but what, I, I'm okay with, sh- I, honestly. Because Lana you're, you're looking forward. Uh, I mean, yeah. all of that is, you know, some of the criticism of this film was that there's too much in here. I think if you got rid of Smallville, you'd be fine. Okay. But then where does Gus do the supercomputer? He does it anywhere, right? Like, it doesn't matter. No, they needed needed a computer that was big enough to control it, but small enough that no one would notice they were breaking it. You don't need all the threads of Lana and all that. I'm just... uh, Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, And then Um, Casey... Oh, wait. I haven't seen that I would... Oh, I'm sorry. What is it? (laughs) I, um... uh, I forgot. Hang on. Oh, when he goes after he punctures the tanker before mm-hmm. he goes to puncture Lorelai. Um, no, nothing. I thought that was pretty good on the fly joke. <laughs> he punctures the tanker. Now he's going to puncture Laura. He's going to take it. his penis, put it in her vagina. You got it his, now? Uh, so now another thing we're going to have to share. Right? Hang on. Let me bring He's not this. a Klingon. He doesn't have two no, penises. The... The cartoon, the comic yeah, where panel it's like of the tentacles. Superman alien penis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, just just have the scene, especially since this movie is only rated PG. Granted, sure. it a PG-13 wouldn't exist for another two years. When did Ren Dodd come out? 85? I think it was 85. 84 or 85. So one year, two years. So um, 84. The, oh, one year. The, yep. The very, very weird him grabbing her head and kissing her and laying her down. I'm like, this feels a little sexual assaulty at this point. So I'm okay with that being cut. Like, just the implication of everything by him coming there. Okay. All right. It implies that he is about to come. Um, <laughs> Which, uh, deleted scene in Hancock... Is a very yeah, funny in the, in the, and very in the logical version that we ex- watched. Yeah. expression of look when what I tell you happen? to move, you got to get out of the way. <laughs> that's, that's right. All right, so I have grabbed that link and put it in our okay. tracker. The be, the the button on that scene. Well, there's two, so Lois. Why it has pincers? Pincers. Why does it have pincers? To grab onto you. <laughs> and the, the closing line. And so. Lois Lane was harshly reminded that Superman was, after all, an extraterrestrial. The end. (laughs) I mean, we don't even know if he Uh, has his penis between his legs. As we learned from Star Trek, not everyone keeps their genitals in the same spot. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, What's the movie where it's... Yeah, there's another one. Uh, I'm not even... Listen, we're at the end. I'm not going down another rabbit trail. Uh, Finally, Casey... Who is the actor having the most fun? I would say Richard Pryor, but he was coked out of his mind, so probably not him. I've heard that's fun. Um, Artie, Artie Lang has a great joke about a coach, oh, like a like a trainer he was trying to work with when he was trying to be clean. And the trainer said something along the lines of, like, you know, once you start exercising, it's like better than heroin. To which Artie responded, you've clearly never done never heroin. Done heroin. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not Chris Reeve because mm-hmm. 
he said to his own father, don't see this movie. It's terrible. Oh. Oh. Is it Robert Vaughn? I think it's Robert Vaughn. He's having a good fucking time. I, I see what you're saying, and he's clearly mustache twirling. But for me, it it, it is Richard Pryor. Okay. He, he, they're letting him go, and I think he's... Uh, and he's got a good story in it. So, yeah, Richard Pryor. Yeah, he's, he's a, he, that's a good story for sure. He definitely, with without Superman being the favorite character, he's my second favorite character. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yep. Now, uh, we've said it. This is a 5 out of 10 on IMDb. We both say it's too low. What do you think, Casey? It's like an uh, 8.7. Okay. I, I was thinking 7. But okay. you know, seven, eight. It's a far better movie than five. And yeah, it's it's better than it. It's it's better than the the shitty rap it gets. Yeah, and and the 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 highlights within the movie, much like Thor: The Dark World, there oh, are boy. moments of brilliance. Thor and Loki's relationship mm-hmm. far better than that movie is rated. Um, there's a lot of mess happening here, but there's really good stuff happening in this movie, and it's it's far better than a five. Yeah, hundred percent. So, Devil's Advocate, did sure. they get a cut of the film and go, this is a bit of a jumbly mess, tonality is all over the place, Yep. quick, let's make a Rube Goldberg of goofiness opening to this thing <laughs> uh, to kind of prepare you for some time for going to go a little off kilter. A little jazz hands, a little, ah, a little jazz, I'm over yeah. here, I'm over here. Spirit yeah. fingers? Yeah, yeah. These, those are not spirit fingers. The, uh, spirit oh, fingers. Lord. All right, so, um, Dad's Breakdown. Yeah, yeah, you watch it with your kids. Absolutely. 100%. And and then you get to tell your kids, and then you wait till they're old enough to listen to Richard Pryor's comedy routines, what a brilliant comedian Richard Pryor was, which well, except 100% for don't, don't, don't let him listen to the one where he's talking about Black Superman. Uh, listen, he was a brilliant comedian, full stop. And Do you, do you know what it's entitled? Uh it has the N-word, if I remember correctly. Super N-word, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but, and, and if we can't say it, you shouldn't play it for your kids. <laughs> uh, I would not do the Michael Scott and try to recreate the Chris Rock routine. Oh, Why boy. is it? Every time. Oh, God. Right? I would so not do that. But I would point to that and say, the you know, arguably the greatest comedian of his generation. Yep. So. L- listen, of, of the... Men of color, stand-up comedians of that time, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Bill Cosby. Guess which one I'd be most happy to listen to? Oh, Richard Pryor, 100%. But I'd also point out, those are three different generations. Bill Cosby Uh, is older than Pryor, who is older than Murphy. Right. But, I mean, that era. How about that? Okay, that's fine. But but I wouldn't even put that disclaimer. I'm I'm not suggesting there's any bad intent there. Comedians of Pryor's era in the seventies were Carlin. I mean, that's a battle. That's a battle royale, and I think you've got. I think you have Carlin and Pryor as your final two, and you know that's a, you know that's a final match. I'm watching. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think the only reason Carlin might win out is because Pryor's um, drug addiction kind of. Took him off his game for a bit, like from the beginning. Yeah. Like Carlin got a little more heated with his con- like. If you listen to early Carlin, mm-hmm. he's saying the same stuff he's saying later. You know, obviously bringing it to a modern lens of what he's talking about. Sure, but 
I liked early Carlin better because it was more like, hey, this is the fucked up shit that's happening in the world. He, he pretty much gave it at this level. Yeah. And then he kind of started getting real saucy with it. I'm like, well, I'm not enjoying this as much anymore. Uh, this is a this is a conversation. I'm I would listen to anyone have this conversation because I think it's like, it, 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 you know, again, I mean, you're talking about down, like Clash of the Titans, right? Yeah. But comedy is subjective. Like, of course, of course. No. All right, so Casey, that was a that was a much better movie than we were thinking it was going to be. Uh, super fun, and I'm almost embarrassed because I saw this in the theaters. I did not remember. Certainly, you don't have the lens. One? Yeah, how, but how you were twelve when this came out. You probably I was 12, were like, yeah. "This is stupid." Yeah, I was like, "There's well, no boobs." In it this doesn't movie. seem like the other movie. It's not. There's. It's no Swamp Thing. I'll tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, there's no Andrea. Where's Adrian Barbeau? And now it's time to pick the next movie from Thor's helmet. Okay, so Casey, I have in my hand a singular, yeah. singular strip that I've pulled out here. All right. I don't know what I don't know what it says. But it's it, it has it has more the work. Next movie we're it has watch. more than MCU on it. Hmm. Okay. Oh no. This can't be right. Hold on. What? What Hold is on. it? Okay. This can't be right. Okay. No. 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 No! I... Did you think this didn't get a theatrical? I thought this didn't get a theatrical. But it looks like it did in 1994. We've talked about this recently because we've recently watched a Fantastic Four movie. I pulled oh, it's Roger Corman's Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four 1994. Motherfucker. No, I hear this is kind of fun. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. How could it be fun? We've I've seen clips of it. There's no way this could be fun. I hear that Doom is the best Doom we've ever gotten. Joseph Culp. Oh, he looks mm-hmm. familiar. I'm sure he's a real actor. They're oh, all real actors. I well, well. In their hearts. <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Ramus, in the episode Honor Among Thieves. Uh, oh, he's a Klingon. Sure. Honor Among Thieves. Oh, yeah. Lord. Okay, so, yeah, we're watching the 1994 Roger Corman, The Fantastic Four. So let's watch that. Hey, guys, Todd here from the future again while I'm editing. So the problem with the Fantastic Four uh, Roger Corman trailer is that it's not a real trailer. It's essentially a lot of imagery and some generic musical scoring. So not dropping it in because you'd be listening to uh, random music with one or two pieces of dialogue for about a minute and a half. We'll drop the link in. Go ahead and watch that if you want to, question mark. So I am contractually obligated to watch this movie. I am not happy about this movie, but I am watching this movie. Fuck. Oh no, I know what Oh, this is actually a really good episode of I mean they're all really good episodes. Near the end of Peace Face Nine. This oh. is yeah, this is season six. This is deep into when the show was just like Could we just, just watch that instead of the oh, Brian Corman is deeply troubled board. when he must betray a new friend while on undercover mission. Yeah, yeah. 
Great. This let's watch the, it. We'll watch that instead. Is, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Sorry. Uh, Casey, I, can I confess that I don't want to watch this? I mean, yes, you can, but I have terrible news for you. Now, the Wikipedia, you, let's, let's get this out front. The Wikipedia says this was an unreleased film, but you and I have looked at this. There was a... To hold like, on to the rights, they it, had to release it. It was like a one... Yeah. One like a, cinema... One place. Yeah. And it's just a piece of history, comic book history. They were going to lose the rights. Yep. They've made Roger Corman, known for making fast and cheap movies, do it to uh, to hold to on to the rights. So rights. that's, I think, I think the only way we can watch this is like on YouTube. I think we're, yeah. Um, of course, Hail the High Seas. Okay. okay. So, Todd, that'll be for next time. Yes, sir. Um, I've taken the time on our show notes to put all of our social media. If you want to find any of the social media for either one of us, they're all there. Beautiful. For the podcast, we are still on Twitter at TSPHC Tweets. We're on Instagram at SuperPodHeroCast. And as I said before, we are have a Gmail. And um, yeah. Yeah. So music for our episode comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. Find his music at Incompetech. Com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at SilvermanSound.com. So that'll do it for the Superpod Hero Cast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. And I've been your moderator, Danny Ryan. Be, Be heroic. heroic. All right. I got to pee. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Commander. Where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. And you're no longer a captain, you're a commander. Commander. Dear God, are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh no, I don't I don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem uh, to have no rank! Only the title of Doctor? I don't think there are admirals either. Captain! I mean Commander, I mean. Look, Casey, we are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest? Then there's no moment to spare. Engage! I I, I don't think um, Night Shift Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just dial that back there. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom! Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest role-playing game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters, execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts, or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. 
and we look forward to creating with you.